No reason to get excited The thief, he kindly spoke There are many here among us Who feel life's but a joke But you and I, we've been through that And this is not our fate Hello, you are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Desierto. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Mctinsky. I would like to be known as Pero Pero. And with a Desierto tagline or two, maybe three, I'm guessing at least three, we have Kelly Wand. Muy caliente. Mm, okay. okay. Yeah. Keep going. It's a it's a Mexique. <laughs> Wow. Huh. Uh, so that's how we get oil. <clears throat> Finally, a movie where the comedian falls off something. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one for comic book dorks like me who know a lot about comics. Oh, you mean movies based on comics? Well, no, I know in the movie, I mean, in the real comic, there's a squid. Yeah, I like the squid. So, see, I know that. That's how much I know about comic books, Kelly Wand. That's a really memorable ending, and then they're, they're yeah, that's the dumb part. But it's Thank like, you, Zach you'll Snyder. always go, yeah, like you always go, wait, that's the one that ends with a squid. <laughs> it's the only thing ever that ends with a squid. Uh, do you have a Walking Dead-related tagline? Uh, I haven't watched it yet. Okay. But that's my tagline. I like that tagline <laughs> very much, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I like that for this movie. I haven't watched it yet. Maybe just lose the yet. Well, the thing is, unfortunately, you can't say that because you now have to tell the listeners what you did watch this week. And, in fact, what Kelly oh. Hunt and I watched this week. <laughs> the segue. All right. Well, this week we saw Sorry. Desierto. You made it sound Italian when you do it that way. I think I, I was doing sexy. Uh, I, I just I can't help it saying it the way uh, T.J. Miller says, aviato. Um, oh, uh, yeah. that. I can't, yeah, you did that a couple of times, and it's in my brain, and I didn't even realize that's what I was doing when I was thinking of the word that way. It's just Ugh. the weird way he insists on saying aviato. Right, right. So yeah. this week we saw Desierto, a 2016 Mexican drama thriller movie about uh, – and Kelly already got to spoil this, but uh, it's about what happens when the comedian totally loses his sense of humor. Um, <laughs> it was directed He's by – He's not funny in Watchmen either, is he? He thinks he is. Uh, it was directed by Jonas Curran and written by him with Mateo Garcia. It stars Gail Garcia Bernal. Jeffrey Bring me that guy's head. It stars Gail Garcia Bernal <laughs> on a platter, apparently. Uh, Jeffrey oh. Dean Morgan, Alondra Hidalgo, and a couple of Belgian Malinois. Uh, Desierto oh. is rated R. For mm-hmm. strong violence and language. And smoking. Nope. Just strong violence and language. But there is smoking. You, you have to grant I, me that. I, yeah. I will grant you that there is smoking. The I, gun? I agree with Tom that there is smoking. I'm not going to say wrong, uh, but it is rated R for strong violence and language. Right. I just wanted parents to know, though, if they take their children to see this, there is also smoking. Right. It, a lot of times the MPA leaves that out in R-rated movies. So a parent might, might unsuspectingly take their child to see the movie and not realize, oh, well, this movie condones smoking. If I'd known that, I wouldn't have brought my six-year-old. Right. Very good. Yeah. 
And when, and Kelly actually, Wan, what, when I say a couple of Belgian Malinois, it, it might have been uh, several of them. I, I, oh, I that's had a, hard a cigarette. Time I wondered what. I didn't know what. Thing is, that's way too highfalutin for the average. Yeah, I thought it was sorry, it's the, it's Explain the it. It's the dog breeze. It, oh. It's oh, I thought tracker. it was like a cigarillo uh, uh, or something. So like. tra- Tracker yeah. was played by uh, by maybe several dogs. Well, the thing um, is, that's how the, that's how Hollywood works. Like Christine. Well, it works yeah. like like that with babies, but often with uh, with dogs, it's like one or two. Now, there, how many free willies were there, Dingus? There, I would say there were at least three free willies. Why the first one's always three. Why didn't they just call it three willies then? How many Bruces were there in when they shot Jaws? I think there were at least you know, four of them. So yeah, thing is, it takes multiple creatures or simulacrums of creatures when you shoot a movie. So. One was just a stunt purpose to raise an idiot. So Kelly Wan, the uh, MPA, what <laughs> other things do you think the parents should know out there who might be considering taking their children to see Desierto? I'd caution parents to be aware that this movie contains ursine sexual abuse, improper flare gun usage, some race warfare, and dehydration. Is it Ursine a bear? Yeah. Yeah. Remember? Oh, you don't remember. That's so cute. You're not remembering things. Wait, so you would take, you'd cover the kid's eyes, the six-year-old's eyes for the smoking parts, but then let him watch the headshots. Right? I don't, I don't remember a bear in this, though. What am I fucking uh, It's in the Opsis, you'll understand. All right, yeah. so Kelly Wand, speaking, yeah. speaking of the Opsis, Kelly Wand, how about we get a Desiert. Wait. Uh, oh, yeah. You have to give us numbers. Oh, God, you're right. Uh, Metacritic, 51. Rotten Tomatoes, 58. <laughs> oh, box office? Nah. It only opened in a few theaters. It's not making any money. It wasn't supposed to make See? money. See? <laughs> that was all necessary. I do like the number, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty much how it made, give or take a million. Yeah. Well, we're critiquing <laughs> the numbers, too. Yeah. We critique the movie and how much and what other people thought of it. We're, we're critic critics. Well, Kelly, well, now that we've done that, I am I am hungry for for a desiropsis. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to combine the, the word opsis with Spanish language. So, so what would you call this week's opsis? Desiropsis. Okay, that works. Yeah, you said you were hungry for it. Yeah, I'm hungry for this opsis. I hope I it doesn't give you indigestion. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was you going to be? You had a question for the audience. I do not, but I might during I might during the opsis or maybe afterwards. All right, Dingus, you had something to interject. So Tom's question, he forgot. No, I was just going to say I'm thirsty for the opsis, not hungry for it. <laughs> That's because it's why a don't, desert. Why don't we make a run for the border and you give us the opsis? Ah, uh, see, those things totally go together. I like that. <laughs> run for and give us. Desi Erpsis. A truck drives through some sand while Mexicans in the flatbed all watch this one guy, Gary, do nothing. <laughs> Suddenly a stuffed bear is holding. <laughs> I better emphasize this part for Tom. Suddenly a stuffed bear is oh. holding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was thinking, because we had so many appearances in the last two movies, in the last few weeks, we've had appearances of actual bears. Yes. It's, so, it's made you crazy. That's what's good. This is yeah, this is a simulacrum of a bear, not an it actual. This year of the bear, I'll say. This bears the are year really of the beer. Yeah, in Hollywood, really big. Bears are really what? Bears are really big in Hollywood nowadays. You know, bears are big That's nowadays. Bear on a bear streak. 
That is weird. You're right. Because American Honey. What was the one before that? There was another. Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army Man. Right. Of course, Revenant. This is like the third. No, but it's the third in a week. We've done. There's been a bear in a movie we've seen. Kelly One. This was not a real bear in Desierto. It's still weird. (laughs) In a Lincoln Kennedy way. All right. That's the twist. Maybe that was a real bear, and we just didn't know it. Suddenly, a stuffed bear Gary's holding starts moaning wretchedly. Mexican number seven's all. Yo, that's it. It's its balls. I've only tried it with a real bear, but eventually the bear owner applies pressure to the right pair of testicles, which makes the truck break down. The two guys in charge of the truck open the hood and stare at the engine for a bit. One's all. Okay, first question. uh, What's this metal thing we lifted with the hood ornament on it called? The other one's all. Hey, bad hombres and back. Uh, anyone know stuff? <laughs> <laughs> You're just a nasty guy. <laughs> nasty gentleman. Gary jumps out and raises the bear in his fist. He's all. If it's got a pair of these, don't worry. I can make it stop working. That's my Mexican accent. All right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You're, You're the most interesting Mexico. man in the world. <laughs> I must be part Mexican because it's not so natural. The driver's all, yeah, we got the stop working part already locked down, but you sound awesome. Maybe look at it. Gary tells the bear, hold on to this and spears him on a cactus for safekeeping. Then he gropes around under the hood for a while and eventually wrenches something free and stands up, flourishing a spurting black nozzle. He's all, yeah, here's your problem. Some pendejo just wrenched it free. <laughs> They're all, whoa, whoa. can you fix it? Yeah, no problem. I just need a tow truck, a new engine, and a mechanic. Also, make sure you keep this part intact. He crumples up the part and throws it off a cliff. <laughs> so when's lunch? All I had for breakfast was my two other stuffed bears. He sighs and goes, Okay, everybody, listen up. We have good news and worse news. <laughs> He's Russian. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is there is no good news. The worst news is that things could be worse. The United States is that way. He stares at them without gesturing in any direction. Also, in keeping with rides to Mexico, no hassles, company policy, I still need to charge you all full price for gas. Good luck and donde esta la biblioteca? I look over at Cheech Marin sitting beside me and go, sometimes when I watch from dusk till dawn, I pretend the Asian kid's chong. Meanwhile, the comedian takes on a rabbit with a truck, a dog, and a high-powered rifle. (laughs) (laughs) The the sport of it. (laughs) It ends in a tie. Afterwards, he screams at the rabbit, get out of my home! Suddenly, a border patrolman shows up. He's all, yeah, thanks. Uh, Rabbit's a real problem out here in the desert. That was the only one, but thanks. You have a license for that dog or truck or gun? I don't need a license to kill Mexicans. America's only 100 miles from here. Tracker barks at the truck, lifts his leg, and pees on the comedian's leg. The comedian's all, speaking of which, I just heard on my pickup's ham radio that some Mexican footprints were detected somewhere far from here. Why don't you do the job I don't pay taxes for? And where's that wall Mexico's going to pay for? Damn Mexicans stealing our wall building jobs. Tell them, Tracker. Tracker doesn't say anything. The Border Patrol guys saw, ha ha, you have a ham radio. He gets in his car and drives off. (laughs) 
the comedian's all, that's right, go ahead and run, USA, huh, Tracker? Tracker doesn't say anything. The comedian's all, lousy, stinking Mexicans. What have they done for me lately? He angrily grabs up a Taco Bell bag from his floor mat and scowls as he eats his Taco Supreme. Suddenly he's all, Tracker, shh, I think I heard something. Tracker starts barking loudly, then choking on the Taco Supreme. The comedian peeks over a ridge through his sniper scope and sees our ragtag band walking across the sand. He's all, Mexicans, think they're such great gardeners just because they come from the world's most arboreal nation. Walking through a desert illegally, I'll teach them a lesson in due process. Tracker, in the truck. Tracker falls asleep. Meanwhile, Gary's small group is lagging behind the truck driver's much larger group. The driver looks back at them and goes, Ha ha, you're walking slower than a sniper bullet shears through his brain pan. <laughs> the guy next to him's all, Lulz, those are the dumbest last words I've ever... Blam, he gets shot. A third guy's all, Hey, Pandejo, maybe try running instead of wasting your final seconds of life being condescending. Blam, he goes down. The guy seven guys away from him's all, Cool, uh, I got lots of time to come up with something good. Uh, 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 fuck, okay, uh, shit. Uh, David Lindelof, Bam. <laughs> <laughs> what? I think there was a David Lindelof reference say. in there. That was awesome. was. Mexicans love that guy. That's the joke of that. He's their asshole. It's a serious movie. As everyone runs around towards the bullets, Gary and his smaller group crouch behind rocks in the distance. The Joker of the bunch is all. Looks like walking slowly was our master stroke, eh? Say, downhill, Tracker starts woofing. The comedian's all, what is it, Tracker? More Mexicans? Come here, boy. Tracker comes back to the comedian, dragging a bewildered Swedish person in his mouth. The comedian's all, Tracker, quit joking around. The comedian eventually remembers where he parked the truck. He leans against the rear bumper and starts sobbing with joy. Yes, there are eight men, women, and children shot in the head. This is the happiest day of my life. What do you think, Tracker? The the truck starts up and honks twice as Tracker gets behind the wheel and starts driving away. The comedian's all, damn it, Tracker, bad dog. Later. (laughs) Okay, so there's three of us left out of like 47, but uh, I'm a top 10th full sort of guy. Gary turns to the girl. What's your name, cutie? She shrugs. Gary's all, that's weird, that's also my son's name. Anyway, I think our mistake earlier was getting separated from the rest, or rather their mistake. It worked out pretty awesome for us, actually. But as long as we stay behind and help each other, no man left behind, eh? One or two of us might make it. Third character, what's your name? Hey, I'm Lance. Nice to meet you. Gary puts out his hand to shake and realizes he's shaking Tracker's tail. What the? Tracker starts attacking Lance's face with his teeth. Lance is all, oh! Dog's chewing my face. That's the sound I make. Little help, guys. But Gary and the girl one are already halfway up the distant cliff face. Gary's all, don't worry, Brian, you should be remembered. It's Lance. Down in the cleft below, the comedian's all, tracker, what's that, boy? You got a Mexican by the throat? Fling him down here so I can get a look at him. A boulder rolls off the cliff and squashes the comedian's foot. The comedian's all, tracker. Immigration's no place for monkey business. Suddenly, from the ledge below, Gary's defective Mexican-made teddy bear starts mewling again. Clinging to the ledge, the girl stares at Gary, then at the bear in his hands. Gary's all, quick, squeeze the balls hard. Oh, I meant the bears. <laughs> they hear another 
scream, followed by the comedian going, Tracker, oh, not my face, bad dog. Gary's all, wow, see, the Americans and we're not so different after all. We both hate Canadians. He and the girl walk over to a nearby campfire as night falls. Gary's off. Don't worry, Brian was a good man, and that's something to cherish. We'll always have the memories of his good deeds. She's all. Actually, Lance was a prick. He raped me constantly and picked his nose, but he didn't deserve to die like a piñata. Personally, I would have preferred a brain tumor and boiling oil. It's not a tumor. (laughs) Wow. Remember kindergarten cop when the kids were laughing at the prospect of their teacher's fatal illness. Sorry, just trying to fit in. I have a son, by the way. That's why I carry around this stuff there. I don't think they sell these in the States. <laughs> like Nick Cage and Con Air, remember? Put the bunny back in the box or it gets the hose. But she's asleep. <laughs> just off screen by Craft Services, the guy who plays Lance is all, wait, that's my character? I look over at Sandra Bullock in his spacesuit floating away from me as she tries to grab his feet rests and go, Hey, would you bark like a dog to the Chinese guy in gravity? Were you trying to speak Chinese? The next morning, the girl kicks Gary awake and goes, Hey, I thought of a way to trick the comedian's dog. All we need is a, bear, a flared gun, the comedian's truck, and some cactus. Also, you may have to leave me behind. <laughs> Gary's off. Don't worry, you had me at the last part. Twenty minutes later... <laughs> Comedian stands in the middle of some burning cactus, sobbing over Tracker's body. Tracker, damn it! Getting those bacon-flavored flares was the third dumbest decision I made. Also. <laughs> oh, oh, ouch! He's fine. You served me well, old friend. Especially when I reminded you this morning not to leave the truck keys in the ignition. Suddenly, he hears his truck starting up. As the girl slides into the truck beside Gary, Gary's all, Hey, it was like dead calm and that dog was Billy Zane. I thought cacti had water in them, didn't think they'd be flammable. She sighs and presses his foot on the accelerator so they drive off. Gary's all, Cool, I think we lost them. Fuck yeah, USA! The comedian sniper bullet hits the girl in the arm, which makes the truck flip over. Gary drags her out, then sets her down against a cactus. As the needles pierce her back, she's all, Ow, what the fuck? Gary's all, Damn, I may be a mechanic, but looks like I'm 0 for 2 with trucks this week. Shit, here he comes. Okay, listen, I have to leave you here to die because I have a son. But here, you can have all the water, which I guess <laughs> we both die after all. You're welcome, bye. He scampers off as the comedian shoots at him and huffs along in pursuit. Gary eventually tricks the comedian by the comedian forgetting how cliffs work. (laughs) (laughs) It's a red state. Then, instead of just pushing the comedian off the cliff, for some reason, Gary hugs him and goes over the edge with him, then tricks the comedian's leg bone by it breaking in the fall instead of his. Gary's all, oh, God, shit, can I crawl faster than the middle-aged dude with a broken leg? Yup. <laughs> he grabs up the gun and points it at the comedian. The comedian's all, oh, okay, dude, come on, seriously, my leg really hurts. I was just kidding before I love Mexicans. I only voted Trump because I liked his position on Tic Tacs. Please. (laughs) Gary's all, all right, I'll let the desert kill you, whatever the Spanish word for that is. (laughs) (laughs) 
little poetic justice. Uh, you shot my people in the desert. Now the desert's gonna. Um, well, bye. I, now let's see. I guess it'd be impossible for me to remember which cactus I stashed what's her face by. Oh, well, I tried. Wah! <laughs> the girl's all, Jesus, dude, stop tripping over me. She passes out. Gary's all, oh, uh, yeah, good. Uh, actually, I'm glad I found you because we're going to need every drop of that water I left with you. He stares glumly at the empty jugs. Then he's all, uh, okay, uh, uh, just going to carry you across this alkaline wasteland. <sighs> Twelve parched hours later. Don't worry, girl character. I think I see trees. To <laughs> <laughs> So hard to maintain that accent so perfectly. I think I see some streets and cutters coming up. Yes, we did it. Gary comes through again. Thank God. Wait till my son sees this bear covered in cactus needles and dog blood. He halts. They both stare at the nearby billboard. Some words on it are all, welcome to Mexico City. The end. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Uh, I mistakenly thought this was uh, uh, Alfonso Cuaron's brother. No, it's his son. <laughs> it is his son. Yeah. I, uh, so it's a Chinatown situation. No. <laughs> that's his that brother and his son. All right. Sorry. thought it was a Mexican thing. Mexican standoff. Uh, and seeing, seeing now that it is his son, that explains a little bit more. But uh, all right. Do you guys yeah. know why, why I wanted you to see this? No. no. Uh, I am fascinated by the uh, the – What's going on? This thing was shot three over three years ago. Basically, oh. sat around. Uh, Mexico submitted it this year as their uh, best foreign language film submission for the Academy Awards. It, I seriously doubt it'll, it'll get it, selected. Does it even qualify? Yeah, it's their official submission. Um, you know, they submit one every year. The kinds of movies that get selected when they submit them are *Amores Paris*, *Beautiful*, *Pan's Labyrinth*. Uh, I don't think this one's going to quite make it under the wire. But they uh, have as to have a certain um, percentage of language. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, it's their official submission. Um, and Jose Cuaron uh, started writing it uh, over three years ago. Uh, and I think he's was he was either in Arizona or he was reacting to events in Arizona. Uh, so they finally shot it. Sat around for three years. Uh, a small distribution company here in the U.S. picked it up. Uh, literally, as in, in response to Donald Trump's announcement that he was uh, that he was accepting the Republican nomination, uh, based on his Mexicans are, are rapists uh, speech, and in well, fact, one of them was in the movie. Uh, and in fact, his speech was used as the voiceover for the trailer of this movie in Mexico uh, to to play over. What? Yeah. Uh, really? Yep. Oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. So I think it is important that we see this movie because I kind of think it's important that we realize – I'm not saying that all Mexicans think that all Americans are like Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character. But I think it is, it is fascinating to me, and I think it's kind of important that we see, hey, here's kind of how we look uh, from a horror movie perspective hmm. uh, for, from filmmakers overseas. Like this is a horror movie about what if Americans are really like. And I, I, I'm sure, you know, Jose Cuaron, uh, uh, Jonas, I'm sorry, Jonas Cuaron was, was educated here in the States. I know he's, he knows what Americans are really like, but the fact that he 
thinks that this taps into the zeitgeist of a Mexican audience. Uh, you know, he got Mexican money for this. This wasn't an American production. Um, he shot it in Mexico. This is a Mexican production. Uh, and I'm just fascinated that and, – and I think it's a terrible movie. Uh, but I'm just fascinated that this is – what Mexico thinks of us is like a worst case scenario. Like this is the 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 scene where the girl that obligatory mid movie, hey, let's get to know each other scene, where the girl says, yeah, my parents wanted me to come here to the U.S. because it was really dangerous in our town in Mexico. But and I think this is a quote: if only they, I could tell them what it was really like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. what? Well, it's it's like the reverse. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but it's like the reverse of. Teristas or whatever it's like Americans right up, yeah very good dingus yeah in, yeah. A, in a third world country and being you know uh, treated in a hostile situation um, did dingus was that a real joke did you do you know what you just did please tell me that was intentional it was very good very nicely played dingus because it's very that's the Eli Roth shtick isn't it yeah. is that uh, foreigners are scary. Uh, uh, and here's what happens if you if you subject yourself to foreign countries, yeah. right, especially if you're ignorant of this particular foreign country, and that's what happens. And I I actually didn't even think of that that spin on it. And I was and as I watched this, I was like, why in the world is Tom? You know, when <laughs> when when you ask us to watch something specifically that you've already seen, I really try you know even more so than normal try to look for the good in it because uh, I'm like, okay. Tom's seen something good in this, and I'm really having a hard time, but I really like your take that you just juice me, because I, I really think this is a terrible movie, um, but I really like the, I like your take on it. Kelly, what's your overall takeaway on uh, – because you, like me, I knew this wasn't for Dingus, not because Dingus doesn't like horror movies, but because it's, I thought it was bad. Kelly, was this movie for you? Well, no, not really. Although I don't think it's a bad idea, and I think like revert, making an inverse Teresa's is a fine idea. I just don't think it's very good execution. And we've no seen this. We've we, we've seen this movie executed brilliantly earlier this year with Green Room. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Like you, know you either go in. He, he didn't. It didn't go all the way either way. Like it wasn't. It wasn't a quality enough production, and like as textured as Green Room, but it wasn't also. It kind of. I don't know. It wasn't like fun in an Oliver Stone way, like early Oliver Stone. It was just like beating you over the head. Like, well, I just think flat out, white man. Yeah, I think flat out he's not a good filmmaker. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, it's uh, the 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 pacing is off. There's no sense of distance or time with it. Right. Uh, All kinds of just really sloppy details. Um, Yeah. It, it, you know that ridiculous ring around the rosy bit at the end, where yeah. like that, how did, is that? That's going to be his finale. How he stages it, and even down to little things like, um, you know, the characters weren't as sweaty as they should have been. In no, this they should have been destroyed. Like, that should have been, yeah, exactly. That should have been just physically devastating with the heat. And they, yeah, we should feel it. We should feel it, like we're in the desert with them. Like, and unfortunately, he also edited it. And it comes off as TV editing. As, as, as the movie winds down, or even before it winds down, it begins to feel like a TV movie. Uh, and I don't mean that in the way that modern TV movies, uh, you know, TV has gotten really good. I mean that in an insulting way, uh, in the old sense of what a TV movie looks like. Because it, it begins to feel like amateur night as far as editing is concerned, and he edited it too. Dingus, that's uh, if you watch, and I've actually done this. I don't recommend it, 
But if you watch some of these Lifetime movies that tap into, you know, that it's basically for a female audience, and it's like, what if your boyfriend's ex-girlfriend was a psycho killer? You know, there are those kind of things, yeah. tapping into anxiety. And those are TV movies. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. This is kind of like the counterpart of those things you get on Lifetime, <laughs> those made-for-TV things there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just watching uh, Gail Garcia Bernal stumble around in the in the desert after he's left her and just stumble around and stumble around, it just feels like we're trying to fill time in a, in a movie that's yeah. like an hour and 28 minutes long. And, well, by the way, Kelly, do you know his actual name? It's not Gary. Do you know his actual name? The, the actual character in, name? In the movie? No, I, yeah. don't. I don't remember. It, it's Moises. He's Moses. Oh, God, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, wait. He doesn't do a Moses thing. He, he carries her out of the person. desert. He's, he's, uh, I don't know. I don't. It's it, this movie is exa- a prime example of when I get frustrated when I can't tell if the if characters are dumb or smart. Like that always annoys me, and I couldn't tell if he was dumb or smart. And well, what I was you curious. Tell, I mean, what you can tell from what Dingus just pointed out is is what uh, Jonas Quaron, uh, Quaron thought of his script. Like that, right? Dingus, you're absolutely. Yeah, you don't randomly name a character Moses, rather than right, the character. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 that's. Not the if you're gonna plant them in the desert and have people wandering. So, yeah, yeah. So America is the land of milk and honey. Yeah. Forty years. Uh, and is the comedian's character? Um, does he do this all the time, or is he just a random psychopath, and this is the first time? Because after he does it, he kind of cries with joy. No, he doesn't. He doesn't do it all the time, and no. furthermore, it's completely implausible that he does it because. It, it, this guy's an idiot, which I guess he is. I mean, he's, it's so reckless. He's just been pulled over by Border Patrol. They've got his right. license plate. He's using his own rifle. Uh, there's forensics all over the place. I mean, yeah. the guy, this, if, if he's, this is the last thing this guy is ever going to do before he gets arrested, presumably. It makes no sense. Uh, I think it makes a little sense because of his despair speech to, um, to Tracker, where he's like, I've got to get out of this hell. I mean, there's, there's sort of a suicidal element to him. In a way, the tracker stuff I, annoyed me too. On a dingus, in a dingus way, because I don't so wait, like hold rooting. That, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Yeah, let's talk about yeah, the dog uh, in a minute. Because dingus, I I disagree. Because what what is a what what is presented here uh, is really the equivalent of the the nightclub massacre in Florida. Uh, oh, and right. whatever went through that guy's head isn't just someone frustrated who we're introduced to with a brief little ten minute message. I mean, this is this is a massacre. This is a mass shooting. Right. Uh, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan's little shallow caricature of a racist who drives a truck with a Confederate flag in it and a don't tread on me sticker uh, and who has a short sort of disparaging comment about immigrants to Border Patrol and the ineffectuality of Border Patrol. That, to me, does not merit in a movie the equivalent of that nightclub massacre in Florida. Uh, this is a mass shooting, pure and simple. Uh, it's a horror movie. And I, I, I just I think it's it's. The, the movie doesn't earn that the enormity of what it shows us. It's so glib with who he is and his motivation uh, because it really is. It's a boogeyman. Like I would have loved to have seen something. You, you mentioned, Dingus, when we saw Green Room, that bit about the dogs in Green Room and how they were handled. And the dogs in Green Room, as, as you mentioned, they are kind of representative of these young guys who are pulled into this circle of, of white supremacy. With uh, their leader Patrick Patrick Stewart as their leader, and and there's this 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 kind of an effort not necessarily to make you sympathize with them, but to humanize them in a way, uh, even though they're reprehensible. Uh, and there's no level of treatment like that for Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Morgan Dean shoot I've got Jeffrey Dean Morgan Jeffrey Dean Morgan yeah yeah. Uh, and I I think there could be an interesting movie about that. So 
just to briefly go ahead and get to this, my over is Green Room and not bracketing it at all, but as far as movies about uh, the the boogeyman of fringe American extremists, my, my over is Green Room for a great look at that and a, a, a just really compelling, just a, a spot-on, well-done movie. Uh, and my under is Red State for, again, no. how, how glib Kevin uh, Smith is with this idea of of evangelical Christians torturing people and the Waco standoff and uh, you know it, 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 the problem with Red State was so much more self-important than Desierto. Uh, Desierto was just glib and sloppy. Uh, so my under is Red State, my over is Green Room, uh, and this I'm not practicing at all. So uh, and also Dingus, I Dingus, you don't have the baggage that Kelly Wand and I do. What do you think of Jeffrey Dean Morgan as as an actor? Like, what did you think of him in this? Uh, I, I, I first of all, I spent the first five minutes of the movie going, "Is that Jeffrey Dean Morgan?" Um, mm-hmm. Me like, too. Because all I know him from that I remember is from Watchmen. That's really all I know him from, or what I most know him from, because I don't watch and losers that television show you guys watch. Um, oh yeah, that's right. I guess remember he was the leader. He was like the Liam Neeson of the eighties. Yeah, he was the, the Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and losers. Very good. Right, right. Um, but what I mainly know him from is Watchmen. Um, so I, I kind of I, I like to see an actor who I, who I who, kind of resonated with me, and I liked him in Watchmen, uh, working more. I just like to see actors that I like working. Uh, so I was like kind of excited. Is that Jeffrey Dean Morgan? This is interesting. I know Tom and Kelly have talked about him. Um, so I, I don't have any other touchstone other than that. No, but uh, real real quick, let me just feather something in real quick. Um, you were talking about. Uh, him not being sympathetic as far as Tracker is concerned, right? Uh, as far as the, the difference with, like, Tracker was just, like, what happened to Tracker is kind of horrific. It's yeah. really weird yeah. how affecting that is. Um, yeah. It was more just how they don't really flesh out his character. I didn't feel that his motivation was, was clear, how I didn't feel it merited this mass shooting. You know, what little we know about him, it was just a, a boogeyman, wow. a random boogeyman thrown into the, the movie. But it did make me think of how uh, Jeremy Saulnier portrayed the skinheads in Green Room, where they're not just random monsters. We know a lot about them. We know that some of them feel differently than others. Uh, there's a spread of them. Some of them are reprehensible more than others. I mean, uh, so I, I just disagree. I, I don't think that, that, that this character, this monster that's killing people, it just didn't – it wasn't believable to me. It didn't make uh, any sense procedurally. That, it well, and in Green Room, what they didn't – well, Go ahead, Kelly. Well, they didn't uh, initiate it. Like they were dealing with a crisis that sort of happened that they sort of fell into the Nazis, even like. But in this, like Jeffrey Morgan initiates this whole clusterfuck. So it's like he's suddenly the Green Room is, is definitely initiated by a murder. I mean, it's, it's someone yeah. right, but Patrick who's, Stewart who's doing a pleasure killing. Uh, it, it's someone as a member of this group committing a, a pleasure killing on, on someone else, and this group deciding to cover for that person and protect that person. Right, but they but have I, I to. Mean, the, the plotting is very different, Kelly Wand. But I think they're both movies that are – the catalyst is a reprehensible act by a fringe political group in America. Well, and one's a crime of passion we don't see, and this other one is this guy sitting up and killing like 30 people. Right, right. But just talking about the humanizing of the characters, just that aspect of it. So like there, there's the dog trainer in Green Room – where at the end he says, you know, if he dies with, you know, with meat in his jaws, I would consider that a personal 
uh, favor. You know, there's that's not an exact line, but that's something that he said. He clearly has a has a connection with this dog, as as you can see at the end of that movie. Um, and this is something, and this is why I brought this up because because Chris Markinson brought this up in an email that he sent to us this week, uh, and that's that you know, after voices um, in Adela steal the truck. Sam makes his way back to the campsite, and when Tracker comes to him, he asks Tracker if he's okay, and he gives Tracker a hug. And there, there, there is a sense of an emotional connection that he has to the dog, and that this dog is super important to him. I think, in some ways, this is used as shorthand for trying to make him into maybe a more um, into a character we care more about in the last moments of the movie. But Chris makes a good point that his connection with the dog is at least some sort of humanizing effect on him. See, that doesn't work for me because that, that plays more into the fact that I thought the dog was cool. Like, I liked the yeah. dog. He liked the dog. You know, I'm sure Hitler liked his pets as well. Uh, well, I love the, I love the dog because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a super huge fan of dogs. So when you said this isn't a dingus movie, and when I was watching it, I thought that was one of the reasons. You know, sometimes oh. I think it's because <laughs> yeah, a kid gets killed too. or because a dog gets killed. And when we have that gruesome death of Tracker, um, I thought that was kind of what you were referring to, um, but and I know that there's a lot of uh, you know after after the fact, having kind of researched a little bit, there's a lot of uh, internet brouhaha about that, or uh, you know outrage about this dog being you know, this dog death. Um, after, you, after you kill like ten people in the desert, Desierto people like people are reacting to the dog like they're indignant that the dog gets killed in, in Desierto. Yeah, yeah, and uh, oh, and geez. and Jonas has to has to answer for that. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah, after wow. after and and I think that that's really telling about the way American viewers view movies. And this is this is kind of our weird thing about you know just don't kill the dog. I mean it's a cliche, but then it it kind of it kind of plays out that that animal rights activists will say, "How dare you do this to a dog?" You know, Dingus, and, I don't, and there I mean, might not be uh, there might not be at the end of the movie a, one of those no animals were harmed things. Somebody said that or other. I didn't look, um, but I, but I there mean, were several of these dogs who were who were playing this this particular part. I mean, obviously it was like a fake dog when they show the the flare in its mouth. I can't yeah. imagine, but I don't remember any like. I think it's just because it was a crappy movie, but nobody nobody complained about the, the what happened to the dogs in Green Room, did they? Or like, the was, that, was, there, was there indignance? Well, this is that was a very different time, but were people indignant? I wonder about what happened to the, you. May not know about what happened to the dogs. I don't know. No, I don't know. Yeah, because that's that's just astonishing to me that because the movie and it's just because I think just the movie is so ham-handed anyway. Yeah, it's, it has no sense of how horrific what happens to that dog is. Yeah, I think we're going. Yeah. You, well, I wonder if that's a cultural thing too, because watching Amoros Paris about dogfighting yeah, uh, has right. a very different perspective. It's a Mexican movie about dogfighting is one of the three main plot threads, and I think in a, that that might be a cultural perspective that that movie has that maybe explains for why this seems so out of place. How terrible it is what happens to poor Tracker, right? Uh, yeah. Which also has Gail uh, Garcia Bernal in it. Oh yeah, well that's and that and he's his money too. I think is part of what he was one of the producers. Is I suspect part of how this got made. Yeah, right. Uh, him, him, you know, being on board and uh, selling it as a package. It was kind uh, of rough to watch him in, to see him like show up in this movie because I like him a lot. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Kelly Wan, what did you think of? So Kelly Wan, you and I have uh, seen a lot of scenery chewing. Jeffrey Dean Morgan doing Negan, which is just awful. Uh, what, what does that mean? <laughs> 
Oh, he, so he's a he's a he's sort of the flavor of the month villain in Walking Dead. Uh, the worst show doing, ever. Where, and there's so much mustache twirling. It's embarrassing how bad he's having to be as a villain. Uh, so it was, in a way, it was kind of I, I kind of appreciated watching him being less of a villain than what they're talking. They're just pushing. They're so heavy handed in Walking Dead about oh, this guy is awful and he's terrible and, and he's a genius. Uh, uh, it's just wretched. So I kind of liked him seeing lower key in this, but I don't. Jeffrey Dean Morgan to me is a poor man's James Purefoy, <laughs> and James Purefoy isn't even a big enough actor to have a poor man's version of himself. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I liked him more than that, but just because he seemed really well cast for the part, like he seemed like a dumbass redneck. Like I thought he filled the bill for what the horror movie that you're talking about. I don't. I didn't know because he's so uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I would characterize him as 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 mild. Uh. He's a mild guy. Like I, I think he's he's super laid back. I saw him in a movie where he plays uh, uh, like an investigator who's just who's like in New Orleans. Who I forget what it was called, but he's just kind of like casually hanging out, and it worked for him. <clears throat> but having him try to be uh. intense or show this depth. Uh, I mean, I don't mean this in a bad way, by the way. I, I think he's like a best-case scenario of, like, TV actor mildness. Uh, and I like – he's super likable. Like, I love listening to the guy talking in interviews. He's he has like a great a voice. Mouth. Yeah, he's got a great voice and a great look to him. He's yeah. handsome, but being, like, pretty boy handsome. And, yeah, he's great as an actor, but uh, it just as a guy, but just as, as a performer, it just doesn't do much for I him. thought he was right for the part, and I remember kind of liking him in The Losers. Like, he kind of reminded me of George Papard a little bit. Like, and that, uh, exactly. That, yeah, <laughs> that level works, right. Yeah. So there's certain – he has a certain zone that I think he's good in, and I thought this movie made effective use of his zone because he didn't – it wasn't a very deep character, and he just has to look like a good old boy. I don't know. Like, he looked convincing shooting a rifle. <laughs> he does, but when he starts screaming, like, I, I don't believe any of that. I don't believe any of his screaming. Yeah. In the truck where he's having his freak out. No, when he's, at the when he's yelling like, ah, "You're I'm gonna after after Tracker dies," you know, you know, whatever he's screaming at, and, and during that whole ridiculous like merry-go-round chase. Um, <laughs> yeah, he gets stupider as, he, as the movie goes on. He gets so dumb that we don't fear him anymore. <laughs> and we're just like Kelly one that's like the, that that movie that Dingus made me watch called The Duel, where Woody Harrelson's fighting Hunger Games. That was dumber. Like the duel was smarter than the ending of this. Like the ending of this was worse than the stupid ending of the duel, where Hunger Games is shooting down at Woody Allen from like a, a Woody, Woody Allen, Woody Harrelson <laughs> from like a, a ten foot cliff, and he pushes a rock over on him. I would actually this, put the duel over this because of that rock. Okay, <laughs> the, the duel is my over because it of is that. your over. Okay, because of that rock. Huh. <laughs> it definitely has like that's that's going to be your big set piece finale, huh, Quaron? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Dingus, what's your under? Uh, no, the, I'm sorry. The duel is my under because of that rock. Oh, oh okay. What, what would there's be a lot of uh, there's a lot of other things I liked better than this in the duel, but that rock. When when you talked about it, it kind of shamed me because it's just so goofy. It's just such a goofy moment. It's such a wily e. coyote moment. Um, and that moment where like uh, when Kelly talks about like how cliffs work. That whole, and I think this is another thing that Chris Markinson said, um, where like, oh my God, uh, I'm on top of a rock, and oops, I, I pushed over some pebbles. Now he knows where I am. Mm. You know that moment. It's yeah. just so silly. But why is so he standing on the edge? He hasn't secured. At least it was a boulder. 
But but over this uh, for horror movies that take place in the desert, I would put the objective. What? <laughs> I, I love that movie though. I hope you're not yeah. bragging. I'm not. I really I really do like the objective a yeah. lot. It's it's weird. It, it it makes you figure out what it is. Uh, it's not it's not like this sort of pedestrian. And if you'll excuse the term, um, the acting's bad. Uh, it's got the, the acting isn't that great in the objective, but it, it keeps you guessing. It's it's got a weird idea, um, and uh, I really like the the whole take that that movie has. But that the feel of like being out in the desert and being you're not sure what's tracking you, what's going on. It's kind of confusing. Uh, I would put the objective over this, but yeah. you're right, Tom. I'm not bracketing it. And this movie is full of just sloppy stuff like that, uh, you know, the, the pebbles falling. And, and like Kelly Wan mentioned, why doesn't uh, Gabriel Garcia Bernal just push him off the cliff yeah. rather than take that, that action movie, tackle him off the cliff? Uh, there were all kinds of stupid things like that, too. There was one shot where – and I don't know if you guys noticed stuff like this. This might be me. But there's one shot where they're, they're walking they, – they lower themselves down into a sandy pass, like a little a narrow area, and right. they walk forward – and you're, they're leaving footprints in the sand, but there are footprints all in front of them as well because this is not the first take. <laughs> like, I could not – like I'm just so bored of noticing stuff like that. That's dumb. Uh, what? That's really the, annoying. The, one time, they, the one time they did that right was when he backs up the truck in one of those canyons. And I noticed, okay, there's one set of tracks here uh, backing up over those tracks. Right, right. And, and that if the fact that I'm looking at that means that I'm not really yeah. – there's even at the end, by the way, when uh, when Gabriel Garcia Bernal gets the the rifle, uh, they do, and this uh, this just is so silly to me. I'm almost I'm 90 percent positive this isn't right. They show him holding the rifle, and then they mm-hmm. do a, a cutaway to Jeffrey Dean Morgan reacting, and they have a a sound effect of a shotgun pumping, yep. and that is not a shot. They could do this heavy like. That's not the noise. That is not the kind of gun that he's holding. Yeah. If anything, I don't even think it's a bolt action rifle. I think it's like a semi-automatic or something. But there's I nothing was, on that. I thought that. it was bolt action. It's not bolt action. If it's not bolt action, oh, it was bolt action. Yeah, I think yeah, it was a bolt it did action. Take time, but it because doesn't make a. The thing I noticed was in that confrontation, um, Moises doesn't doesn't do the bolt action. He just shoots like twice, like it's a semi-automatic. Whereas every other shot, uh, Sam has had to. Do the bolt right, action. Right, right, yeah. And and how many rounds does that thing hold too? Like, <laughs> yeah, really. Limited <laughs> Does he have a cheat code? For he that shot thing? a whole group with one without attack. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Chris, uh, Chris says something. Uh, Chris Markinson says something about mm-hmm. he liked that Moses abandoned her to try to get away. Now, I wondered about think, that. Like, was that a, do you was think that he was a, actually abandoning her, or yes, he was drawn? He doesn't know. He tells her that, and he gives her the water. He's hoping, but she, she, it's just a random thing, too, that Jeffrey G. Morgan doesn't shoot her or the dog doesn't tear her throat out. Yeah, and Chris says that, too. Why, why is the dog suddenly uninterested? In yeah, like, no, it's because she's hiding behind the cactus. She's right, see ten feet yeah. away. But they see well, her. Sam says, well, she's going to die anyway, so let's move. It seems like that, that tracker can understand conversational English. <laughs> <laughs> or what, what part of the movie like, is. Like, uh, okay, um, don't go after them. Now we're going to run up here, and then you go over there, and then Tracker will run off to that direction. I would also notice, uh, of course, Dingus, we've talked about this before, there's a shot where they're climbing up a, sort of a tree-slash-cliff away from Tracker, and there's a shot down a Tracker from above, and Tracker's, like, barking up. And, boy, his, ta- his tail is wagging like crazy. Yep. He loves He's just having right. so much fun. Uh, but there's also, I noticed a few <laughs> times, 
that dog was not looking at Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like that dog is looking at someone on camera. Like, I, that drives me crazy when I see that too. Like you know, make the actor have a rapport with the animal, or at least don't use shots where it's clear. It's like the it's like someone on Saturday Night Live reading a cue card or something. Like the animal's looking over <laughs> at one side while somebody's talking to it. it just makes no sense. It's so <laughs> Those dogs were awesome. That's another thing that is such. I don't know. Uh, who keeps a flare gun in a first aid kit? Was that? I guess that's okay. I, 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 that, I just saw so that. What's idiotic is that he doesn't have a sidearm. Now, why doesn't he have a sidearm? Uh, we, I can't believe he doesn't have a revolver in the glove compartment and and one strapped to his. Those head. are pussies. That guy. Like, why wouldn't that guy have? As opposed to this flare gun. gun. He does have that big old knife. Does that come out? Because I thought I was pretty sure he was going to draw it and they were going to have a knife fight. Yeah. It does, okay, so he does threaten him with that. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Because that kind of guy would definitely have pistols as well. Yeah. yeah. The one thing I expected was that uh, the one thing I do like about this movie, if I had to say, mm-hmm. is that there's no that the border border patrol isn't a Deus Ex Machina. Because yes. I kept expecting like like a shot from the distance to take somebody out, and and at the end, after Jeffrey Dean Morgan is down on the ground, I expected well maybe the twist will be that the border patrol takes out. Uh, I exactly thought that. Yep, I exactly yeah. thought that. Like they were going to see him from from a from a you know a distant ridge, and a border patrol sharpshooter was going to kill Gabriel Garcia Bernal. Exactly, yeah, like yeah. like that. Uh, is it Night of the Living Dead where like the wrong guy gets killed at the end? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. And I totally thought, okay, it, that will that might redeem some of the movie for me if that happens. But no, I do kind of like the idea that that um, that Moises is like waving to them, and they're like, yeah, we're we're so busy, we're not gonna even bother <laughs> like trying to trying to uh, uh, notice a Mexican who wants to be caught. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite part of the movie was the title screen, the, the little uh, the, the gradual sunset and the big old words where you know it's like it's, it's not quite horror movie font, but it's definitely like horror movie font size with, you know, <laughs> cut with a little bit behind the mountains where it says Desierto. Uh, yeah. And then I, like at that point I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pretty then, shot. Yeah. And I like, yeah, and then the truck just comes out, and that look, like really, and then just dies halfway through. That was good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I sort of, I think one of the very first things was when they get out of the truck, um, and look at the hood. The guy goes, "Chinga uh, la madre," and the t- the title card, the subtitle says, "God damn it!" And I'm pretty sure "Chinga la madre" does not mean "God damn it." Yeah, yeah. I did <laughs> like the, the get this get the stick from behind the seat. I did like that stick that held up the hood. I like that little detail. Um, but just a weird categorization question. So, is it the is it the weird moments of gore, like the dog, the the dog wound in the neck of the guy, that makes it a horror movie? What, how, why would you categorize this as a horror movie? Uh, because I'm a big tent horror apologist. I love cramming as many things into that tent as I can. But I think it's a horror movie in that it's exaggerated. Uh, it's an exaggerate. It's an exaggerated story about a real anxiety. Uh, okay. You know, if this was a thriller, I think it would be. A, I, and I actually think this is billed as a thriller. I don't know that there's some. Well, th- that's the thing though about that title card. That title card definitely says horror movie, and just the tone of that title. You know, of, of the the gradual reveal of the desert and how small and insignificant the truck is and how it gets stranded in the middle of the screen. Like that's kind of horror movie language. Um, hmm. But uh, I, it basically, anything that I think is playing on 
it, it's sort of exaggerating someone's anxiety. To me, that's what horror is. Uh, Kelly, one, are you on board with that, or did you sort of? No, think that's good. Just like an action and I, I was comparing it to other movies that I would classify as horror movies, like Breakdown. It kind of reminded me of a little bit. Sure, sure, right, right, yeah. Because yeah. Breakdown, you follow the uh, the villains doing separately. But, mm-hmm. but and so in a lot of horror movies you don't do it. But it also reminded me of that one we just saw a few months ago, where it was the deaf girl and the guy trying Wait, to break. No, not witness. Shoot, mute. Breathe. No, no. Don't hush. listen. Hush. Hush. Yeah, hush. yeah thank you, Dingus. Good lord. Yeah, mute witness. Yeah, it hush. was kind of like right. hush. And it's a little. It's it's one of those movies where you, it, I think it wants me to be going. Oh yeah, they're free. Oh, the truck crash. No, now what? Oh, I hope they live. <laughs> But well, it is. It is kind of like a slasher movie, I think, for Mexican audiences. Who, because this, this really, this is one of those movies that should be over in, you know, I'd, I'd give this one uh, seven minutes. Horror like, movies. You know, are like drunk. this guy should have shot everyone. It's over, and the dog should be running people down. I mean, it's super contrived. Yeah. That, oh, they barely got up the cliff. Oh, the dog can't get around on that rock. Oh, they jumped over here. Oh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan knows exactly where they're going. I mean, this, this guy should have murdered everyone. Everyone should have scattered out in the desert and. It, it's set up as an implausible horror movie. Like the definition movie. of a horror movie is where the villain doesn't have any depth. <laughs> Although so Green Room is not a horror movie. No, no, I'm not. I'm saying that's not the only. I'm saying it's oh, like okay. a subset. But like, if if the villain doesn't have a depth, it's it's almost always a horror movie. Okay, but well, not there's necessarily a lot of, the a lot of backstory to Jason Voorhees. That's mm. true, and Jaws. It's not his name is not Jaws. Oh, oh, the movie. That's Jaws, his nickname. Right. It's not his name. It's his street that. name. He uh, here's something else that bothered me. Gabriel Garcia Bernal's backstory. You guys remember he's in. Uh, he's with his uh, family there. Yeah, he's uh, got a son yeah. waiting for him in Oakland. Yeah, uh, Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> I, so in the U.S. we have these things. It's not an official thing. It's it's uh, this is like a, a Republican dog whistle, I think. And it's not even a dog whistle. Actually, because everybody uses the term, so it's not a dog oh, whistle. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because Chris Markinson said he's glad he used a dog whistle. And all I could think of when I read that in the email was dog whistle. Okay, makes me think of politics. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, this was so sanctuary city is this idea that there are certain uh, municipal like the cities that that say hey. We are not going to have our law enforcement uh, enforce immigration. You know, it's a federal thing. There's a, there's a bureau for that. That is not the job of our police department. So we are not going to have police monitor that. And cities that have officially declared this, and it's not always in the sense of an actual ordinance. Sometimes it's just the mayor sort of championing it. They're, they're Republicans call them sanctuary cities. And it was either Trump or Cruz or someone was during the primary saying, we're going to end sanctuary cities, which made it sound like he was going to destroy San Francisco. <laughs> like this whole idea, he's going to end the city. <laughs> Boo but sanctuary. So like of, san- of sanctuary cities that are traditionally uh, friendly to, to immigrant communities. Like that's a lot of it as well. Uh, so if you get pulled over, I don't get to ask you if you're uh, from this country or not. And amongst the, the most stringent sanctuary cities are up there in the Bay Area, San Francisco, yep. San Jose, Berkeley, Oakland. <laughs> the, you, so his whole backstory is that he got pulled over for a broken headlight in Oakland, and the next thing he deported. knew he was deported. Furthermore, the, the deportation, this is something that you either are praising Obama for or you're criticizing him for. You don't get it both ways. But Obama has stepped up deportation considerably during his administration. 
But he's been very careful not to, to level that deportation at felons, at gang members, uh, to be careful about breaking up families. And it's very clear that people don't get deported for misdemeanors like traffic violations. That's, that's, a, that's a definite part of Obama stepping up deportation is it's much more focused than that. So this whole boogeyman story that, oh, an, an illegal immigrant in Oakland had a broken headlight before he knows A mechanic, it, by the way, too. Don't forget. Back to Mexico, right? <laughs> yeah, he the could have just gone mechanic. to a pet boy and gotten a new uh, headlight. Yeah. yeah, it makes him sound really careless. Well, you know, it makes to me it makes the script sound careless. Yeah, there's that's a, true. There's a good story here. I, yeah. I, I would love to, and I think it's important, I would love for there to be a movie that shows how Mexico looks at us at our worst. Um, you know, what do we look like with all this bluster blowing from the right wing up here in, in North America? And this movie was just too facile with all that stuff. Like, yeah. it, it just didn't get the details right. I don't think it got the characterization right. I don't think it earned the enormity of what it presented. Uh, and it's not fun, it didn't like even machete. Go into interesting thriller territory. I thought it might no. become a most dangerous game kind of thing where they would start right. to set traps for him and do all these things yeah, and go on the dogs. offensive. And all they did was like run down the steer, steal his truck, and go Yahoo, and then get shot and right. turn it over. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. You, now you're totally right about that five minutes and it's done kind of thing because while they're like sitting there watching the TV program of him shooting all of the guys out on the salt flats, his truck's sitting there, and I'm like, I'm just gonna run down and get that truck <laughs> because every scene that he leaves the truck, except for the last time, he leaves the keys in it, the key fob. You mean you can see a scene where he leaves the key fob in it, but then he obviously takes the key out when, for some reason, we have to have a 30-second show of like using a multi-tool to jam it. Like, oh, that's how you, you that's how you start this truck. Mechanic. I love seeing people hotwire cars in movies. Yeah. yeah. That's, Come on, hurry. All I need is to jam my, my multi-tool in there. All right, I got it. Dingus, and, it's, a very special, way, it's a very special Mexican multi-tool, Dingus. It opens the, the door and the starts. Tool, the carburetor doesn't quite work at this point. It's harder to start the car. You know, we've got the electric spark, but the engine won't turn over because it's a multi-tool. You know, it's harder to start. You should the use truck. the bear to start it. Like that. it's, it's, it was such a dumb little, like... Oh, God, well, the dog's jumping at the window. That's the thing, know. is these logistics matter, too. Like, if you want to get me involved in what's going on, it's like, wait, so the truck Then the dog over. gets on the roof of the truck, yeah. and all I can think about is the movie is Fletch, where the dog's in the hood of the truck. I mean, it's just goofy. There's so many other things you can do that make it more interesting and more more thriller-like in the horror, or, or into a horror movie, you know? And I, I kept waiting for Tom to bring up that Don't Breathe movie, because I, I wonder what that villain is like. But I don't know what the villain is, who the villain in that movie is. Well, that's the – I mean, the, the whole twist is it is – I mean, you know, the, 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 the protagonists who are breaking into people's houses and stealing money, you're supposed to root for them. And so when they're going to break into this, this blind vet's house, you know halfway through the movie – He's, you're, there's going to be some secret for why he's a super bad guy and he deserves to have his stuff robbed. Right. So Stephen uh, Lang plays, you know, he's got the, you know, basically the kidnapped girl in the basement kind of thing. Like, oh, what do you know? We discovered he's actually a, a, a an evil rapist murderer kidnapper. Yeah. So. Go house breakers. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> house breakers. House breakers. Kelly Wan, what's an over and under for you? What's a movie that's a little, little teensy bit better <laughs> than Desierto? And what's a movie that's just not quite as good as Desierto? 
my bracketing system was movies about race wars. So my overs Cannibal Run, and my unders Warcraft. You think this is better than Warcraft? Well, you and I kind of yeah. like the Warcraft movie. All right, swap those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just made Cannonball Run cry. <laughs> no, Cannonball Run's overrated. Kelly Wan, did you learn anything about dating in this movie? That uh, girl reminded me of the girl on the hot sauce bottle. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees, and I'm caught in between That's not what I heard. I heard you use it as lube. And Hillary keeps it in her purse. She's a... Wow, yeah. She's a salsa woman. You're weird, Kelly Wand. What? You're nasty. I'm weird? Kelly Wand, what's this week's 3x3? Speaking of weird. So exciting. 3x3 best eyeballs in movies. Because eyes always come in threes. Just like boobs in Total Recall. And nipples Dingus, are like eyes. Yes? What is your third favorite eyeball in a motion picture? Ooh! Give us a quote here's, from it, maybe. Here's a quote from it. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything simple like soup? Uh, I don't think I've seen this movie. Oh, is it uh, Temple of Doom? It is indeed. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. talking about this before. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love that they don't pop to the surface till after she says her line. Too. <laughs> Not only that, they bring it to her, they open the kettle, um, short round, like, leans forward with his spoon, like, oh, I'm going to get some of this. She, she smells the aroma of the soup. Oh, the broth smells so great. And then she stirs it, she likes and how then they the smell. eyeballs pop up. She loves how eyeballs smell broiled. Well, who doesn't? Eyeballs smell awesome. So I, lo- I love those. I love those little eyeballs. I mean, that, it's it's kind of a little. I know you love. You're a huge Temple of Doom apologist. And I love that more. scene too. I think it's like super. It's so. It's so, car- it's so cartoony, which is fine. That's fine. Um, That's but, what it's supposed to be. It's, a, it's, it's for thirteen-year-olds. It's such a pleasure watch. There's 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 this moment at the beginning where she's like. He's a kid, and then short round says maybe he likes older women. And she just looks at him like, "What are you talking about?" And then at the end of it, there's that great, that great when the ma when when the ra the Maharishi or whatever he is finally chimes in and goes, "I thought the stories were told to frighten children." Oh what? That's, I thought that was from Alien. When you say no. that, that's a quote from Temple of Doom. Yeah, yeah. everything is, but. That these things of the thuggy cult will never take place while I am here. Yeah. And then Indiana Jones goes, "Have I offended you?" And then he, and See? then there's no reaction shot because I guess they couldn't get the kid to do anything. And then Harrison Ford goes, "Then I am sorry." Indiana Jones is like the Desierto character in that movie. <laughs> He's in the strange <laughs> land. You know, I'm but, but I do love those weird eyeballs in the soup. I yeah. love that. Jeffy Dean Morgan's like a budget Harrison Ford. <sighs> and Harrison Ford's <laughs> a budget Dwayne Johnson to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The third Johnson's free. Uh, my third favorite eyeball in a motion picture, I went with just the inherent ridiculousness of eyeballs. Hmm. These are all uh, examples of that. They're not ridiculous, um, are they? 
there's uh, they belong in your head. Once they're out of your head, it's they're either stupid. super gory or super silly. So rather than going for super gory, I went for super silly. Interesting. Uh, and this isn't – I don't think Steven Spielberg realized how silly this was. But in Minority oh. Report, where Tom Cruise drops the eyeballs and they go rolling More Spielberg. down the ramp. So oh, Tom Cruise forgot to, this. This is awesome. Yeah. I love this. Peter mm-hmm. Stormari has to replace his eyeballs. Yeah, so I love it. Through a, ret- a retinal scanner. Mm-hmm. So he replaces his eyeballs, but Tom Cruise is like, you know, I need to keep my original eyeballs. I need them because he's going to need them for another <laughs> retinal scanner later on to get into a, a locked door. So Peter Stormari leaves him. As, and I forgot this. Speaking of slapstick – that bit where Tom Cruise is gets the wrong bread. Advantage. Yeah, and he reaches in the refrigerator awesome. and there's the, the rotting sandwich mm-hmm. and there's the nice sandwich and because he's blind he doesn't see the difference. So he picks up the one that's all rotted and moldy and he bites into it and then spits it out and then reaches in for a glass for the milk yeah. which is in there and accidentally grabs yeah. his boiled milk. Yeah. It's like slapstick. It's I like, love it. No, it's the guy it's fucking like, why, with him. Why do they have all of the why do they have good things with bad things in because, the Because because uh, Steven Spielberg thought it would be funny. They don't don't oh. show you that when Peter Stormari, who it turns out is kind of uh, like he's creepy and weird, and he has a that's why I thought. But no, no, he you don't. He actually puts good sandwiches and good bread in there. Presumably, he's done this for other people, and they just haven't eaten their sandwiches or or, or drunk their milk. Um, no, he's so hoping just, he's seeing if the fate, if destiny. No, nope, he doesn't. No, nope, because I check, he doesn't look in there. He, do, I mean, if if so, there's no there's no indication that he's reacting to anything being in there, and we as the audience don't see. When he puts it in there, he's holding it, and he without looking puts it in the refrigerator and closes the door. It's just because yeah. Spielberg thought it would be funny to have him do that, and it's of a piece with the bit where Tom Cruise, and I forgot about this. He has to inject himself with something that melt that makes his face go all melty to yeah, disguise yeah. him. And it's just as weird, like it looked like, oh, we have a special effect we can do. How are we going to fit that in there? He's having a really well, stupid day, that character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> so then he goes to the retinal scanner where he needs his original eyeballs, and he dumps them out in his hand, and he drops them. And they go rolling because it's conveniently at the top of a ramp, and they go rolling down a ramp, and he's sort of skedaddling after them. No, I love um, it. I love Tom Cruise when he's annoyed. I think it's his. It's always funny to me. That's why Edge of Tomorrow is hilarious, and in Mission Impossible, and it's like God, fucking gloves, fucking fuck you, fuck. I God, love I it. Redeem the scene now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. He's great when he's grouchy. Like, God damn it. Because it, it's sort of like Spiel, Spielberg thinks this is funny slapstick. It is because it's Tom Cruise. None of it. Yeah, he's annoyed at it. Yeah, and he's acting. It's like I don't know. Because if you think about it, like that's actually a really great point. Because one of the best things about uh, Edge of Tomorrow is when you know she's going to shoot him in the head again. And he's like, Ugh. yeah, uh, it's so good. That's he's really good when he's grouchy. Yeah. All right, so uh, Kelly Wan, what is your third wait, favorite example? Wait, before Kelly does that, is Minority – I remember just really hating that movie. No, it's good. Oh, well, there you go. It's a 50-50 split, Pinkus. Um, you hate it? Dumb. It's not – No, it's terrible. It's awful. Okay. Minority Report? Steven Spielberg thinks he's being funny at times. It just has tone issues that uh, – Yeah. That, that iPad swiping stuff does not hold up. It looks ridiculous. Um, oh, that's right. Tom Cruise's haircut looks silly. Uh, yeah, I don't think it holds No, up. I love it. I love the his when he's doing the opera moves with his gloves, and then I love those yeah. balls that print the the names on it. And like, the, the balls are cool, but the the opera move, the the conductor iPad stuff is uh, no. And it's a good stuff. plot, and Colin Farrell's fucking well. It's a good he, they, plot because it's from a uh, wait. Colin Farrell's in that? Yeah, he's, he's the, the villain. Yeah, yeah he's, he's the, the villain. Yeah. 
or he's the patsy, and then he kisses his uh, St. Christopher thing. And that's also the bit where Lois Smith, who's this really cool older actress, she's the scientist who helps him, yeah. and there's a good scene where for no reason she just leans over and kisses him on the lips. And Steven Spielberg must have thought, oh, Tom Cruise is so cute. Oh, and then also uh, uh, Peter Stormari's assistant, when she's bringing him in for the operation, is like clutching his butt. She's just like wonk, wonk, wonk on Tom Cruise's butt. Like, <laughs> well, it's we've all, all about like. <laughs> but Steven Spielberg thought it'd be funny. Like all the chicks just want a piece of Tom Cruise in this movie. That's because his breath smells like rotten sandwich. Oh, and actually, it smells like spoiled milk because he chases it with the spoiled milk. And then actually, he finishes it off with drinking out of the melted ice in the medical waste container. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I'm barf. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's how that scene ends up. Oh, can't we just talk about photon milk? <laughs> oh, that's right. That's the movie that gave us photon milk. I forgot about that. Yeah. Kelly Wand, your third favorite eyeball in a movie. Uh, there's so many. I thought it was a really fertile topic. Uh that's not really a joke but my number three is um, I, I can't do a quote from it because it's a silent movie that's your hint what? do you know what it is, what I'm thinking of? a silent movie with a famous eyeball oh this uh, and Shin and Deleu yeah. That's, yeah. yeah that's my number that's three that's not a movie though is it? Like, is that a yeah. movie? it's just film it's like a short it's yeah, a, it's just Dolly's it's, making like film a little. Sh- yeah, I guess shorts are movies, right? We can do that. Yeah. Kelly, one, are you gonna are you gonna pull yourself over? Yeah, that's are you, bullshit. Are you gonna arrest yourself? Yeah. <laughs> but that is the that is the like early like quintessential hey eyeball eyeball peril or eyeball gore. Yeah. Uh, footage. Yeah. It was the uh, the harbinger and the gold standard. Uh, I recently saw a movie with uh, oh shoot, what's the guy's name who played uh, uh, Jeffrey Combs? Uh, with Jeffrey Combs in some movie where people show up at a dinner party and they have to be dared to do terrible things, and one of the dares is a uh, slice your eyeball with a razor. Oh, so it's, it's does an anyone enduring, do it? Uh, it's enduring eyeball gore. Oh yeah, yeah, he does it. Yeah. That's a dare. Yeah, the the movie is called something like I Dare You To or something like that, and. Yeah, so people show up at this dinner party and they they have to do dares. I would just say well, no, you, you win. Thanks though. That'd <laughs> no, be they, my if trick. you if you don't do the dare, they shoot you. I think uh, something like that. Like it's under, Kelly, one, you're under duress for these dares. Just dare them to not shoot you. Ah, clever. That See? might work. Stupid yeah. idiot. But isn't there a good version of that that you've told us about? Eyeball slicing. Sort no, no, of, of, of people like doing something for dares for money. Oh, oh, Cheap Tricks. Oh, cheap Kelly Wand, yeah. have you seen Cheap Tricks yet, Kelly Wand? No, I've only experienced them. Why do you not watch movies that I tell you to see? Because they all blur together. They all are called Vinyan. I don't remember any of those. Cheap, <laughs> cheap Tricks is so for you, Kelly Wand. It is so All right, for you. then I'll watch yeah. it. Usually, well, when you say the, that, it's Who's good. the dude from that that you like that we saw in that uh, High West movie? Uh, Pat Healy and... Pat Healy. Uh, and who, normally I find this guy super annoying. Actually, normally I find both of these actors super annoying. Uh, David Koechner and uh, shoot, who is the girl that uh, Sarah Paxton? Is it Sarah Paxton? Uh, yeah, no, it's not. she's all right sometimes. Is that even her? I think it is her. I mean, she's really good in it, and David Koechner is really good in it. So hmm. Kelly Wan, I'm really just dis- you know Kelly Wan, Dingus and I are going to finish up the podcast. You go watch Cheap Thrills. <laughs> it's tricks or thrills. You said tricks. Uh, cheap trick. No, cheap trick is a band. It's cheap thrill. Yeah. No, cheap, 
Cheap. But, you know, I mean, cheap, cheap thrills. thrills. Cheap thrills. Yeah, Cheap Trick is the band. No Coke, Pepsi. I don't remember you talking about it, yeah. Ethan Embry. I loved him in it, too. Yeah. Oh, hmm. right. Hmm. Uh, the poor and, man's uh, Ben yeah. Foster. <laughs> wow, that's very good, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Same beginnings. Just saying. That's uh, number right, three. So Dumb. Never. Thing is, what's your second favorite eyeball being sliced in a movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, that's what Kelly turned it into. It's a discussion about slicing eyeballs. Uh, all right. Um, this is pretty obvious. Uh, Chew, if only you could see what I've seen with your eyes. Yeah. I make your eyes. They call you wow. Braid Runner. Um, so, I mean, uh, different characters, Kelly Wan. You did the guy at the noodle shop. I did the guy who makes the eyes. I thought it was the yeah, same character. And he just has no. two jobs. All right. You say you're Braid Runner. <laughs> Um, you hear but that? I love that scene, uh, and I love uh, the way uh, Leon sticks his hand in that uh, in the cold liquid, and he's like, "Don't do that!" And then he does it, and then he realizes, "Oh, you guys are Nexus." And he's talking to him, and he says that line to him, and then what's the um, line? Nexus? What's the line? Uh, two, two, four. No, You're, you can do. That's more like you gives. Do the lines from the Asian actors as well, Dingus. I said if two, if one, uh, no, I don't know. I don't know any says, any I lines. I make your but... eyes. I make your eyes. It says you fired. He, he's all. He's also saying I only do eyes. Um, that's mm. kind of the thing because uh, they're there to get information. Like, how do I find out? Because um, Roy Batty's there to get information about incept dates. He has questions, uh, and and the way they like they strip him down because it's so freezing in there, and then. Leon starts putting the eyeballs on on Chew like he puts one on his shoulder. He's just like like while Roy Batty is interrogating him, Leon's just back there like messing around with the eyeballs. You know, he puts one on his shoulder and then and you don't see it in the shot, he puts one on his head. And he puts one on his other shoulder and he's just like putting eyeballs on him. It's just weird extra thing that this character is doing in the background just like messing around with eyeballs so there you go Blade Runner I wonder if Ridley Scott told him to do that or if, I think the actor's name is Brian James if he came up with that yeah. I'm guessing it's the actor I give credit uh, to the actor I'm guessing it's not because because those props you don't just get to like F around with props like that but yeah, also, they're all squishy and, and gross and I think it's your talent you get to do whatever you want on the set you no, could say, you know what, Ridley? I think my character should wear an eye patch in this scene. <laughs> I want to show up on set in a dress. Yeah, exactly. You know, Ridley, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this scene with an Italian accent. I think it's what my character would do in this. Scene. Ridley, can I just do random quotes from Lawrence of Arabia? <laughs> <laughs> Ridley, I really want my character to totally be in a Lawrence of Arabia. Can that be a character thing for me? Ridley, I dropped my pipe. <laughs> Kelly Wan, no one knows what you're talking about. Oh, okay. I'm used to that feeling. You, you totally jumped the... Uh... Shark? Very good. Um, yes. My second favorite <laughs> eyeball, ridiculous eyeball in a movie, and this is the limits. So Evil Dead 3 goes way too far in the slapstick. Army Evil Darkness, Dead, you mean? Just, yeah, yeah. Army Darkness way Jesus. too far in the slapstick. You know, when his own hand is slapping him, that's that's yeah. it's, a third, it's a third Evil Dead. That stuff is over the top. Sam Raimi jumped the demonic shark. The limits of the slapstick are the eyeball bit in Evil Dead 2, where the demon's trying to get out of the trap, 
and they're smashing the door down on its head, and the head, the eyeball pops out of the head, flies across the room, and goes into, uh, I think it's a girl's mouth. Is it Bruce Campbell's mouth? No, it's a girl's mouth. Uh, that right there is... That's the that second is, one, dude. Or no, it's in, wait, it's in two and three. I know, it's the You're second right. one. Okay, Would you sorry. guys settle on a title, please, so I can write this down? <laughs> Evil Dead 2 is uh, has the flying eyeball, eyeball in the girl's right, mouth. Right, right, okay. And Sam Raimi even does the little side shot of the eyeball right. flying. You can see the optic nerve trailing behind it like mm. a comet. It's a beautiful bit. Uh, and it's, it's as close to slapstick as I'm willing to let Evil Dead go before I'm thinking, eh, come on, dude, pull back. Uh, so I love how, how he toes the line with that eyeball. Uh, and in Evil Dead 3, which Kelly Wan insists is called Army of Darkness, because I guess it is, uh, he completely steps over that line. <laughs> Isn't there an eye because, in third one? Uh, there might be in the third one. Like I don't he just remember. recycles I mean, there's, it. There's, there's three Stooges eye-poking, I bet. Yeah, with the skeleton hands. Oh, good lord. That's, so, that's what Evil Dead's become? Jesus. I don't know, the show's okay. It's kind of Army of darkness <laughs> Well, the show, yeah, the show definitely knows. It slides uh, around. Yeah, it's a I go back and forth on it. Yeah, sometimes it's funny, though. Well, his Army of Darkness, I didn't think was funny when it, that stuff was happening. Like, he's well, not, Evil Dead 2 is clearly not a comedy. I mean, no, you know, but it's... all that weird stuff in there, yeah. That's... Right, but it's kind of... you really The character's really fleshed out in that one. Of Ash. Uh, it's a character who just gets the Isn't... heck beat out of him over the course of one night. Yeah, but he he remember, when he, that poor guy. remember when he flips himself over, though, when the hand is possessed? How many actors can yeah, do yeah, that? Yeah, okay, you're right. That's a bit too slapsy. The thing is, it's no, so much like worse it. Evil Dead 3, though. Oh, yeah, no. I know. Because yeah. he's not even interacting with the Evil Dead in the third one. I think that's what's wrong with it. Yeah. But anyway. What's so, Dingus, uh, that is. Oh, no, Kelly Wan, it's now uh, over to you. What is your second favorite uh, eyeball in a movie. My number two is from the motion picture May that you made me see. Yeah, Lucky O'Key. O- no, yeah. Lucky, yeah. Lucky McGee. No. No. Lucky, Lucky McGee, o- yeah. Yeah, Lucky McGee. Lucky McGee. Uh, with Angela Bettis, the awesome Angela Bettis. I don't yeah. remember the eyeball. I hope it's Jeremy Sisto's eyeball that's getting abused. Uh, <laughs> no, it's his hands that she okay. likes. I forget whose eyes she oh, that's, takes. That's but, right, I forgot his hands. Yeah. But at the end, when she's made the uh, friend out of all the different body parts, uh-huh. she puts the eyes on the face of it, and nothing happens, and she starts crying, going, come on, come to life, what? And she's getting really sad and freaking out, and then uh, right before it starts talking to her, one of the eyeballs just like falls off its face and like... <laughs> falls under the stomach. I really like that. <laughs> Angela Bettis is so cool. I, I distinctly around. remember the scene where Jeremy Sisto kisses her, and she doesn't know what to do with her hands. Like that's she, yeah. It's an example of a woman who's never kissed someone. She doesn't know where her hands belong during a kiss. <laughs> and it's just this great physical... It's a non-fake physical gesture that Angela Bettis does in, in uh, May. Mm. There's nothing wrong they can she can do with her hands. Kelly Wan, it's just an innocent kiss. Don't make it dirty. What? It's May. <laughs> the uh, lusty month of May. Where are we? Is it my number one now? Yeah, my no. F- it's, no. It's Dingus, mine. what is your favorite eyeball? I know. Whew, I was worried this one was going to get stolen. Dingus, I know you're not stealing my number one eyeball in the movie. What do you have? All right. Here's a quote from it. Terminator? Ba. 
I love I, this is absolutely my favorite and this is the first thing I thought of when you said this and I wasn't sure I was remembering it properly so I watched it again and man uh, damn I love this opening part and it, it's really it's literally when you're watching it it's the construction of an eyeball it's an eyeball being put together you, you watch the eyeball being put together bit by bit it's great. It's Does great. Does it zoom away. out? Like I remember the point of light, but it zooms out and becomes an eyeball. Or well, the, well you, you start with the point of light, and then you see these shadowy uh, images that it, it's it's it looks like um, parts of an eye being put together, uh, like like gray on black kind of. Uh, so that you can see, like the lens being put on, the iris being put on, the retina being put on, and then of course you pull the you eventually it pulls out to the actual eye and then out from the eye um, but it's that opening part of under the skin where it's where it really is like coming like this this being being put together and then coming out of the eye uh, after looking at like this 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 point of light that looks like you're looking at a star or the sun and I like I like the way that that relates to the way the rest of the movie works. I mean, I absolutely love the way this movie works. It is such a joy to watch this because I'm still, I'm, you know, for years now I've been reading Under the Skin. I'm still. Yeah, I was about to ask how that's coming. Actually, uh, it's coming slowly. Uh, I've been reading it again because my son uh, is, was really interested in the book that he was reading, um, and he wanted to just. You know, at nighttime, usually I read to him. <laughs> so um, you gave him wanted, that one? He wanted, no, no, no. no. Uh, he wanted to read his own book, the book that he was reading that he was really interested in. He wanted to read it to himself. And so I pulled out my book, and I was sitting there reading it, and I'm catching up. And I'm getting uh, I'm getting farther along in the book, finally. Uh, and then it just so happened that I thought, oh, wait, you know, I can watch some of the movie, too. They're, they're totally different entities. Um, the book the book and the movie are, are so very different um, and I'm just it's just it's, it's I don't know what to, what to say gobsmacking mind altering just unbelievable to me that Jonathan Glazer uh, came up with this from that um, I'm as as, as uh, amazed as we were when we did the podcast where we talked about under the skin at, 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 the, at the different things that he's done so far um, looking at this book which I like for its own for its own reasons and seeing what he adapted it into the bravery that it took to go okay I see that but this is what I'm going to make and these are the choices I'm going to make it is such a pleasure to watch this movie uh, knowing what the book is I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about either one of them it's just fascinating to imagine what this guy's mind was think what was going through this guy's mind when he thought when he thought okay i've read this book this is how i'm going to interpret those images it's it's uh, it's just i don't know how I, I don't know how to express my enthusiasm in any other way other than to say it's it's beyond brilliant that he created this movie which i absolutely love out of this particular book which i really like um uh, but that uh, anyway 
all that aside, that that opening eyeball construction, um, absolutely, Kelly Wan, when you talked about eyeballs, I was like, oh god, I hope there's an eyeball thing because I I remember that I remember those op that those opening moments. It the, uh, you know coming out from the eye, and of course the corpse lying there and the tear rolling down yeah. from the eye. But th- those are just eye moments, and I really wanted it to be an eyeball. Do you guys know what happens in 2023? Uh, is that the year we make contact again? We that's about the time that we'll get another John, Jonathan Glazer movie because he did uh, Birth and it, there was ten years between Birth and Under the Skin, yeah. and Under the Skin was three right. years ago. So it's set. It's gonna. It's gonna be another ten years before that jerk makes another movie. So it unless I. I, I Fully expect him just to make a television series and us. Oh, gross, Dingus! No, don't even, Dingus, <laughs> take that back right now. How Sorry. dare you? That's he'll direct to put out the universe. Oh my god! Ugh. You know. Oh, let's get out of here quick. Kelly Wan, what is your number? Oh no, wait, me. That's the year Winds of oh. Winter comes out too. My favorite. It, winds of Winter. What's that? Oh my god! Uh-huh. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's Game of Thrones, brah! Oh, that's a book. I don't care about, about that shit. Game of Thrones is a TV show. It's not books anymore. Nobody cares about Game of Thrones books. The best eyeball in all of moviedom. <laughs> Do you guys know uh, the genre? And I think I came up with this. The genre Sitoksa. What? Chicks in tight outfits oh, kicking, yeah. kicking some ass. Sucker punch. Sitoksa. Exactly. Sucker Punch, Aeon that Flux, first anime. Sucker Punch. No, way before then. Uh, Aeon Flux, I think, is when I brought it up. Karen Kusama's Aeon Flux with Charlize Theron. Uh, the Underworld movies, Resident Evil. And yeah, Tammy. I guess, I guess Kelly won. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, Kelly won, you've destroyed my genre. Identity Thief. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Stop. Oh, my all right, God. All right, just, all right. just stop it, Tammy. You Cannonball Run. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Barbarella. <laughs> well, this is a movie that I didn't realize was part of that genre until I went back because I vaguely remembered something about an eyeball in this. Actually, here's what I'm going to explain. Precious. To you. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember in uh, Escape from New York? Uh, before Snake Plissken goes into New York, you know the the New York island. The island is a is a prison. It's been converted into a prison island. Uh, before he goes in, we see him on a raid. Where we see that uh, he uses his eyeball under his eye patch, he uses a fake eyeball for like a surveillance camera. Like he can throw it around a corner and then look on his watch at what is out around the corner. Uh, and so that's why you know that's why he's got an eye patch on is because. And what we find out too is that when New York was closed up as a prison, he was there as a child with his mother. And when the guards opened fire on people trying to storm the walls and get out, he lost an eye as a child. Wait, how do you know this? I know this because when uh, Neil Marshall remade the movie as Doomsday and cast Rona Mitra as Snake Plissken, these are all details in the movie Doomsday. Doomsday is about Scotland being closed up in a wall, and it has – I didn't remember this – the exact same font as Escape from New York is in the credits for Doomsday. And it even does the thing where it has the dates and it has Malcolm McDowell like narrating this wireframe explanation of what happened. And then it says 2035 and in the same font, the same size, the word now. Just like the opening of Escape from New York. is He's telling this story about Rona Mitra and she's like a female snake Plissken and she's got an eye patch on. 
But unlike Escape from New York, he shows us a scene where she's on a raid and she's using this fake eye that she has, an eyeball, as a little surveillance thing that she can throw around a corner later in the movie. Like later in the raid, she throws it around the corner. She can have it just sitting somewhere uh, recording things. And it figures into the end of the movie where the main villain holds forth in front of her about what his plot is. He doesn't know that her fake eyeball is a recording device. So she sends the recording out to the media, and he totally gets pwned. It's like all out. But anyway, so Rona Mitra Doomsday is a ridiculous movie. It's it starts out as Escape from New York. It turns into Aliens. It uh it, it lingers for a while at Road Warrior. It makes a detour tour through Excalibur. Then it ends with a James Bond car chase. Uh it's amazing. Like Neil Marshall lost his just yeah, like Escape yeah. from New York. No, no. Escape from New York, though, had a sense of focus. Like, this gets so ridiculous. and just I, He's clearly just, like, homage. He's just aping movies from the 80s. It's absurd. Uh, you've seen it, right, Kelly Wan? You've seen Doomsday? Doomsday? Um, uh, you haven't seen Doomsday? I can't remember. With I think Rona I, Mitra? I think I saw I part of it, and it was just... Dingus has even seen it. What's the matter with you? It was too yeah. Resident Evil, I thought. It's, I got awesome, mixed up with there's it. There's an awesome vehicle in it. Well, there's a couple. Yeah, they have these. Uh, yeah. they're, they're like almost not damn. I mean, they're clearly they're modeled. Damna- on, they're damnation alley esque. Yeah, they're, they're, they're clearly modeled on the APCs and aliens. This is where it's aliens, where the Marines get in the vehicles. And uh, but you're right, thing. It's like that's. It, it recalls damnation alley. It recalls yeah. the Marines and aliens. But yeah, it's, it's an awesome bit where these Marines pack into these armored vehicles and drive out into the wasteland. Uh, yeah, but they get they get hijacked pretty quickly by the Road Warrior people. <laughs> and then it becomes a horror movie. You love Doomsday? Should I really see it? No, Doomsday's horrible. No, but it's, uh, really it's, it's, it's what I like about it, though, Kelly Wan. It, it is as as far as this like Satoksa genre, like Rona Mitra. Like he puts her in this tight outfit. She's got these amazing shoulders. She's got a t-top, uh, a tank top, uh, and she's got like this really cool like haircut where the, it's long in the front and short in the back. Like he's totally because you know he made the Descent, which is hey let's have hot chicks spelunking and have monsters attack them. Uh, so he he absolutely appreciates what he's got with Rona Mitra, and he has to cut around. It's like she does some awesome fight scenes, but too much of it is in the editing. Um, but yeah, Kelly Wan Doomsday is for you and me. I think I probably have stuff. seen it. It's just the what's the Satoksa? Is that what it's called? Uh, chi- I just made that up. It's an acronym: Chicks in Tight Outfits Kicking Some Ass. C i t o s k a. Satoksa. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> so, uh, Rona Mita, and, oh, and they do a cute little scene too where, uh, like, Bob Hoskins is her, uh, is her cue, like her <laughs> boss. Uh, where she's sitting with Bob Hoskins after the raid when she's got the eye patch on, and she takes the eyeball out of a, a pocket, and she lifts the eye patch up, and there's a special effect where she pushes it into her face. And then it cuts to her, to Bob Hoskins wincing. And then it cuts to her with her eyelid closed, and she moves her eye around. They do some special effect where her eye, like, wiggles around in weird angles before it pops back <laughs> into place. Uh, <laughs> like Burke Adams's in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, oh, Kelly Wan, you're so mean. Oh, what? that is so mean to poor little Brooke Adams. She's doing to be fun. It's not a... It's not a uh... Oh, no, you're right. Oh, I thought maybe she was wall-eyed and you were making fun of her. No, he right, goes, do like, that thing with your eyes. Trick where you... Right, you move it. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Now, that was CG, of course. I'm sure it was There's in no the way script. That. That's true. So, Kelly Wan, it is now time for you, the inventor of this 3x3, three three, 
to tell us what the best use of an eyeball in a movie is. <laughs> All right, here's my quote. Try the wine. What happened? It's just because he's wall-eyed? What? And clockwork orange, you're going to make fun of that poor actor? No, when you can see the whole eyeball when he's watching the movie. Yeah. Oh, oh, that, that scene, you were doing it. Yeah, but that line isn't from that scene. No. You're just doing a random... I just love that else. line, and I love that that's that guy's acting for that character. Yeah, okay, you're a famous Cooper. writer, and your wife's Did Cooper tell him that, or was that that actor just coming up with that? I don't know, but I know I like it, <laughs> and I always remember it. But that was the first movie where I'd seen an eyeball in a movie, and you see the whole eyeball, but it's still in a guy's head. So, you yeah, know, can't, it's like a functioning eyeball. That, that must have been super uncomfortable for him. Yeah. And that's why I think he's burping. Because it just hurts. But, uh, I don't know. It's, it's uh, a whole eyeball. And I thought for a while, like, that's why it's called Clockwork Orange, is because... His eyeball, yeah, his eyeball's like an orange. <laughs> so. Why is it called? Why why is it called clockwork orange? Like why did Anthony Burgess? What does that word even the phrase the title even mean? I think it's a metaphor for um, the duality of man. <laughs> All right. Or the clock is like a machine and orange is organic. Okay, I'll buy that. We live in a crazy clockwork orange world. Doesn't somebody say that in the thing? Yeah, the titular. That's Matt Walsh has the titular line in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's my number one. Well, Kelly I'm hoping that there's anime eyeballs, and the readers have sent in these tortured anime plot synopses with lots of Japanese names that you will now read us. It's a sausage fest, so that bodes ill for me. Koskinen Henrik writes. What? Wow. Has he written before? I've never said that name I before. Do not, I do not recognize that name. Welcome, Koskinen and Henrik. Sorry if I'm mangling your name. I only do Mexican accents perfectly. Number three, The Five Obstructions. This sounds like anime. That sounds anime-ish. The Man's Eyes at the End of the Cuba Segment. I admit I might end up being pulled over on this one, the so it's not anime. The Five Obstructions is an artsy deconstructionist film. Lars von Trier asks his mentor Jorgen Leith to remake his short film Det Perfecta Medesca. It's worse than anime, but von Trier sets limitations for left. Damn it! Just do movies I can say! More wine! The first attempt... Wine! Wine! The first attempt, no shot may last longer than 12 frames. The result is a very energetic, dance-like short film. Towards the end, when the man is shaving, the man thinks of the woman. Has anyone seen this movie? You, Either of you? By anyone? No, I don't even know what it is. Uh, large five Obstructions. I still don't even know what the title is. It's The Five Obstructions, which I guess is an anthology movie by Lars von Trier. And we're such dumbasses. Or I am. We get a few close-up shots of the woman's face, then a series of close-ups of the man's eyes, and eventually just one eye. I really love this short sequence. The movement of the eyes is emphasized by the continuous cuts, and you can physically see the man thinking of the woman remembering. Way too highfalutin for us. Yeah, come on. This is quarter to three, dude. (laughs) Number two, Under the Skin. 
the close-up of an eyeball at the end of an interstellar journey or possibly simply aliens constructing a human eye. A thoroughly alien sequence accompanied by Johansson's alien learning how to speak like a human and a simple, tense string piece that also kind of works as an overture. It's one of the most baffling and fascinating things I've seen in recent years, perfectly contrasted by the following shots of a nighttime road through hilly woodlands. Number one, Clockwork Orange. Alex's haunting eyeballs are front and center as his eyes are forcibly held open by a head-mounted apparatus in the Ludovico treatment. I've had nightmares about McDowell's eyeballs. I still can't watch the sequence without squirming considerably and feeling queasy afterwards. For me, the whites of his eyes are the last thing I want to see, but the only thing I see. No other torture scene is so focused, so primal. Runner-up Neon Genesis Evangelion, End of Evangelion. The eyeball of the planet-sized... A Anami ray faced angel Lilith through which Eva O one Mecca bursts. The feature conclusion of the hit existential adolescent angst gory mecha action psychological violence anime series. After the main solipsist Shinji Akari has once again broken down into the rigors of being human and the world not being a paradise, he kills the object of his infatuation, Asuka Langley Soryu. Oh. <laughs> then he sort of dies. He ends up in a weird place where nothing separates individuals. Individually, it comes to the conclusion that while life hurts, it might still be preferable to not existing. And that other people don't deserve to die even if they don't center their lives on it. This spiritual rebirth is physically manifested by Eva O One, the Mecha Shinji pilots, being reborn even the egg that's the eye of the angel Lilith. Alright, I get it. Fucking right around. <laughs> Stupid listeners. <laughs> no offense. Thanks for writing in, bro. I'm not gonna read anything else ever again. That's all we have. No. That's the first one. Oh. Look, we don't... That's not... Alright, I'm not reading anymore. Of those. Yes, you are. Please, that's what we live for. Shaheen Ali writes, Number three, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Mad-Eye Moody had a magical glass eyeball that seemed to have a mind of its own. Oh, I should have said Clash of the Titans. With the witches and that one eye they pass around. Oh, that's good. Maybe you stole somebody's pick then. I predict I didn't, so let's see. If I did, I'll apologize, so that'll be the fun part. Number two, Neon Demon. I know you guys know that. Ah, that's a good one too. Neon Demon, remember? She eats an eyeball? Oh, wow, yeah. That's a good one. Well, I don't know that she spits it up. That's the more... The eyeball that somehow resists digestion. Yeah. Oh, this one's good too. Number one, Sauron. He's one badass eyeball. Someone, someone tried. It's not an eyeball, though. I don't know. It is because it's it, it's at the top of the tower. You see, so it, the, it has to have a backside that's back of the sphere. That must be the boring side ball, of it. It's not a sphere. The orcs probably hate being on that side of it. Like, uh, <laughs> we're the, I'm, I'm we're the optic sure nerve. I'm pretty sure I can see 360. I don't think there's a back to the eye of Sauron. It does. There's not an optic nerve on the back of it. <laughs> no. I think the optic nerve is rela- is uh, is seated somewhere else. Huh. I wish it had eyelashes. One very specific scene in the last movie stands out when Mary peers into the palantir and Sauron's... That's Pippin, you fuck. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd alert extreme. Sorry, listener, I didn't mean it like that. 
Sauron's eyeball jumps out like a YouTube jump scare. God, how can you get mixed up Pippin and Mary? Jesus! <laughs> I think you could argue that the Palantir is an eyeball. See, if it's, if it's Anglo-Saxon anime, it's fine. <laughs> like that movie. <laughs> Pippin, you fuck. It's Pippin, you fuck. Jensen writes, after did listening... You, Tom, did you hear how angry he got all of a sudden? It's awesome. Mixing up hobbits? Ugh, I'm outraged. Jensen writes, on the internet of all places, after listening to about 200 of your podcasts, I'm finally writing in since last week was the first one I'd seen the movie on time for. <laughs> That's how I feel. I am. I have to preface this list as there are for movies I can never forget, as I saw it way too young in age. Number three, Roy gouging out Tyrell's eyes in Blade Runner. A friend's dad brought us to see this in the theater for his 13th birthday. <laughs> Wait, the dads? Gotcha. Number two, zombie. Oh, this was going to be my runners-up that I suspected Tom was going to do. Zombie. Splinter of Wood entering the girl's eye. Saw this when we snuck out to watch it on a neighboring drive-in screen, so we had no sound. Watched it again in college, and it did hold up as well as when I was ten. I've noticed that most Fulci movies have some sort of eyeball torture. Number one, Andalusian Dog, the razor across the woman's eye. Saw this as a child at a modern art museum. Kurt Jensen. I like it when the listener tells us when they saw the selection. Well, it makes a difference. Yeah. You know, you, I don't. I don't think that Fulci stuff. Like I, that. I don't understand. Doesn't hold stuff, up. But I, certainly. No. But when you see it at a certain age, it's really freaky. Like you're like, what is going on here? I don't understand this. This is weird. I obviously shouldn't be seeing this. But I think when you watch it as an adult, you're like, <laughs> man, those Italians are just. They are just strange. Um. Yeah. They're strange. Like I like. They're fun. I like Suspira, the original Suspira, but otherwise, like all the Dario Argento stuff, I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, get it. I don't, yeah, but I what thought maybe it's Rupert, just what? What's the Rupert Everett one? Uh, Cemetery Man uh, is. Oh yeah. Uh, it's got what's your face? He's it? not. It's not like that Italian stuff though. Cemetery Man is actually from a, a comic book, isn't it? But uh, oh, it's, right. it's not like the weird Italian zombie movies or the. There's a whole genre called giallo. Which is like horror thrillers about slashers in Italy, um, and then there's all the like Fulci demon stuff. Uh, but yeah, Cemetery Man Dingus is not. I don't no, know okay, right. What's that movie I got you that one time that has John Huston in it? The Visitor. As, yeah, The Visitor. Yeah, did, yeah. Please, did you did you make Dingus watch that yet? <laughs> wow. Uh, no, I might spare Dingus that one. I just want to watch and, and him watch because, it when I come. Yeah, I do too, but I just think there are way too many. Like, nah. Dingus needs to see, like, like seeing cheap thrills, you know? Until he sees that, I don't want to waste his time with stuff like The Visitor. I do. I want to totally waste <laughs> his time with The Visitor. We'll have a watch. I, lo- I, love I might bust it. <laughs> oh, see? See? See, that's what I want him to be thinking when it starts. Exactly. That's what you're yeah. about to watch, Dingus. Get ready for Tom McCarthy's early work. <laughs> Arthur, Jovan, and Jelly. What? More visitor thoughts? I, I just love the idea that, yeah, thinking of the visitor is like a remake of that. <laughs> How unfordingous is it? That movie. It does have a big old weird eyeball in the cover art. I don't remember yeah. the movie, but it's, I'm imagining the, That's the, why I thought the of CD it. cover that you gave me. Yeah. I was going to ask you if there was an eyeball, and I just didn't remember, because I only remember the box art having an eyeball. I don't think there is, like, yeah, I don't think there is in the movie, there's but there's no a big old eyeball in the box. It looks like a, like a residence album cover or something. Um, yeah. Remember their video game? 
Ooh, boy, uh, bad day on the midway or bad yeah. day on the fair. Yeah, wow. That, yeah, that had eyeballs in it. Arthur Giovannagelli writes, number three, Under Siege. Tommy Lee Jones' right eyeball gets crushed by Steven Seagal during their final knife fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's Diggis' reaction to anything I just said. I forgot I just that during... don't like anything to distract me from Erica Eleniak in that movie. Oh, I know. She shows him. Doesn't she? And she showed him to E.T., too. Oh, she shows him. Yeah. I think she shows him in uh, Vampire Bordello, or whatever it's called. Whorehouse of Blood. Blood. Bordello Blood, thank you. I forgot that during this fight, Seagal disarms Jones by grabbing his knife in his teeth right before crushing his eye with his thumb. So ridiculous. Wait, that sounds awesome. He disarms him by grabbing the knife in his teeth... And then uses his thumb. Oh, that's good. Is that a martial arts thing they teach? Use teeth for the knife and thumb for the eye. Black belt. Number two, Minority Report. Well, he's a, he a cook, so he would be used to knives. Ah, right. And thumbs. <laughs> Number two, Minority Report. Tom Cruise has his eyes replaced, but keeps his old ones in a bag so he can use them to open doors and other stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah. Much better than Tom. Yeah. <laughs> right from Spielberg's novelization. Number one, because he wrote it. Number one, Any Given Sunday. What? What? Football movie. Yeah, I'm trying to remember it with before I keep reading. I don't know why that's fun to listen to, but I can't remember <laughs> it. A player from the Knights loses his right eye during a game against the Sharks, causing a stoppage in play. <laughs> I love the detail. <laughs> Remember it was third down, guys? Now you remember the eye? Because it was third down in the gridiron. There's an amusing shot of the lost eyeball on the artificial turf just before someone puts it in a plastic bag. Hmm. No kill Bill yet, I'm relieved. Dave Perkins writes, Number three, Puss in Boots in Shrek. Uh, That's the porn one. When he holds his hat and pleads, along these lines, Michelle wants to add in Jake's removal of his glasses when he's begging for his life in front of Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Number two, the glass eye that Daniel Day-Lewis taps with his knife in Gangs of New York. I watched the first 15 minutes of that the other day, and then I turned it off. How did that work out? It's, that's where, if you turn it off after 15 minutes, it's the best Scorsese movie. <laughs> the rest of it. Once Leo grows up. Number one, the eye that rolls down the ramp with Tom Cruise at its heels in Minority Report. <laughs> Does an eyeball have heels? It's a synecdoche. <laughs> Markardson writes, Hey guys, I suspect that my picks will have been totally chosen by others, but I really like my number two. Number one, number three... The one he doesn't like. Pan's Labyrinth. The pale man's red eyes that sit on a platter in front of him. Yeah, that guy. That's a good one. Oh, wow, that's great. I like that guy, too. They're on his hands, right? Or his fingers? Or he has a hand. They're in his palms. His palms, right. Been on that date. Number two. This will be spoilery. I'm a real pupil of that technique, Dingus. (laughs) Number two. This will be spoiler. (laughs) Yes? Uh, 
Number two, this will be spoilery, so you might not want to read this one. In The Neon Demon, Gigi isn't feeling well after her last meal. She throws up a perfectly formed blue eye along with some blood. Sarah comes into the room, and just before she consumes the eye, you can see spittle dripping down her mouth and hanging from her chin. So the spoiler is the spittle. Number one, my favorite eye in a movie is the eye you see being created at the start of Under the Skin. There's a wonderful shot once the eye's been created where you can see the green iris almost pulsing during an extreme close-up. Thanks, guys. Chris. Yay, Chris. I love you, Markardson. That's it. That's all we runners have. Up. What do we got for runners-up? Oh. Right, I've got two more. From, and they, they don't really count as eyeballs, but there, there are two great little eye moments in Blade Runner that I also love, besides the one that I described earlier. And that's the, the opening scene where you see the, the fire uh, like reflected in the eye uh, in, that, in, that, in that flash in that opening scene. So it, it is kind of an eyeball, but it's really just an eye. Uh, and then it's, it's this weird moment with the owl uh, where you see like the iris of the of the eye and the reflection of the light in it uh, when they're talking about the owl, it's just it's Boobo. just this weird owl owl eyeball thing. Well, it's not. It's just, it's synthetic, and they do it with Harrison Ford's eyes, right? And and Sean Young's uh, eyes. Yeah. Uh, I've got two other uh, runners up. Uh, one one was uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's the end when. Um, when Tote is his face is melting off, and you see like the skin melting off his face and his eye, you can see the eyeballs kind of roll up into his head like these two weird, not not even marbles, but more like uh, billiard balls uh, that roll up and like almost click up into the top of his skull. Uh, those are weird. The, there were two Indiana Jones things that I wanted to play with. But uh, but Indiana but uh, Temple of Doom won out, and then the other one is is the one weird um, milky eyeball of uh, Mads Mads Mikkelsen in Casino Royale. Oh, that's a good one. Yep. The bleeding eye. Yeah, but it's more of an eye. It's not really the. I, I really wanted to kind of stay true to what you were talking about, which is an eyeball. Right. Uh, Kelly One, I'm disappointed you didn't bring up Ben Gardner's eye, which has popped out. Oh, eh, too much oh. Spielberg already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that's one that I saw when I was too young. I just remember that, you know, the fact that it's his eyeballs is out and it's still hanging by the optic nerve is really freaky. Uh, Be better I don't remember that. That's weird. How do you not remember that? It's just like, it's just even a, the sound effect, like it's a jump scare and the sound effect with it, it's like a buzz saw. Like it's the weirdest musical note. Probably because my dad had his hand over my eyes while that happened when I saw it in the theater. The Last shark's year. eye is also like a doll's eye. <laughs> but also, uh, did I send you that thing, the guy on the internet who found that, like, in the thing, when a character's human, they have, a, they have like, a light in their eye, and then all the shots where the... It's, someone's been taken by the thing, and all the shots of them, you can tell it's like their eyes are all dark. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that was was that like with an interview with Dean Cundy or something? This the uh, DP, the, the guy who shot. Yeah. yeah. Or his friend. Yeah. <laughs> eyes are. He has uh, one. Are the the eyes are the window to the director's intent. Mm, very good. That's what Jessica Alba said when she was promoting the eye, the movie, the eye that she made. Oh! Oh! Right! Right! Okay. She can see ghosts. Kelly, wait. 
obscure but good. Yeah, yeah, sure. I've not seen. Wait, is that the one? Is that a Thai movie where she's a photographer? Thai. You mean Thailand? Yeah, I think there's yeah, she goes out there and Michelle Yeoh puts her in a puts her in like a, a little bungalow. Get a load of this, <laughs> Kelly Wan. See, Vegas is his his reference for for uh, Asian horror. Jason Statham movies. Yeah. Well, that was a horror movie for guards. <laughs> it was horrific. And, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Dingus, uh, what is next week's 3x3? Three three? You're in charge of telling us what topic we'll be thinking about for the course of this coming week, and how do the listeners participate? All right. This uh, topic is titled Revenge. Hmm. The movie? So Costner? Yeah, it's just your favorite moments in the movie Revenge, starring Kevin Costner. No, it's uh, just your favorite Revenge. That's it, Revenge. Didn't we do Comeuppance? How's that different from Comeuppance? Or did we do that? We may not have. We did Comeuppance, but this is Revenge and Vengeance. This is different. Revenge. What's the difference? Yeah. When you take revenge on somebody, as opposed to when something happens to you because you the did something wrong. It, I see. So, so whether it's, it's a active, passive or active verb, right? right. Okay. right. So come up and so the, the perpetrator of the comeuppance, rather than the comeuppy. The comeuppance is right. shit falling on the comeuppy. Did you say comeuppy? <laughs> Shut up, Dingus. No, I didn't. Comeuppy. <laughs> I do like the idea of the comeuppy, though. The it sounds like cut. a little like a pet. It's like something you have in your koi pond. Yeah. Uh, euphemisms. Because what if what if the, what if the listeners have ideas about revenge uh, that they would like us to read about on the air? They should take it out on Kelly. Uh, anyway, they should uh, write us at 3x3, 3x3 at com. And if you have some ideas for the next movie we're going to see... Which will be then, what? Uh, I don't know. I can't account for it. Do you guys remember what it is? Uh, makes me, it makes me think of doing my taxes. Yeah, oh, Doctor Strange. <laughs> Doctor yeah, Strange. Strange. That's obviously. Only Kelly's allowed to see that. I don't make that like, kind of money. Yeah. Uh, so, Doctor Strange. Three by three at quarter to three dot com with your ideas for uh, revenge uh, in movies. Not come up. It's yeah. like fucking Mary and Pippin getting mixed up. God. <laughs> What a disaster that was. Uh, and just a brief note, I did not realize this until Chris Markinson, who has just been such so incredibly supportive of us. Chris, you are awesome. Yes. Uh, he pointed out this is our seventh anniversary. This is the uh, seventh. This, no, Kelly Wan, you go, oh, I'm like, what? Like, I feel like we've known it maybe three years. No, it feels like forever. I don't remember life before the <laughs> podcast. At once it a is week. weird to, like, it is weird to, like, life. think of a movie that like a prominent movie and think did we do a podcast on that and then to realize wait we weren't doing a podcast back then yeah like, it, yeah the whole time frame like seven years of this so let's see seven times 52 that means we've done th- 360 yeah it's a lot yeah that's a yeah oh you know what? I number the podcast so I should know this yeah that's like hundreds of these yeah that's insane that's pretty so, that's too uh, many yeah, if you've been here with, if you heard our paranormal activity, I wonder what our paranormal activity podcast sounds like. Oh Remember gosh, when you're go back to it. Yeah, because someone told your one of your sister, your mom told us if we were being giddy on it. <laughs> that, was, that was my mother. Yeah, she characterized it as, oh, is that where you guys sit around and you're all giddy? 
Yeah, she knows that's what's podcast, up. Podcast mom. Yep, that's. But she, our voices sounded different, probably, because you were like, "Yeah, we're, we're seven like, years no, younger." We yeah, puberty yet, right? Yeah, and we were probably a little stage shy. Or I was. It's not only that, the, the the sound quality was weird. We hadn't quite. We didn't uh, know what we were the doing. Structure yeah, yet. we didn't know we each have, other. We have a pretty good, stable structure to the podcast. And I think I remember like Dave Perkins uh, talking to me about that. You know, he he wrote in for one of the for one of the picks for three by three and saying, "What is weird to hear? Like where you, it's it, it, not weird, but interesting to hear where you guys were and and how you guys evolved into where you are now." Uh, yeah, we didn't even do a three by three on our first podcast. We just we just no, sat we around and yammered about paranormal activity for whoever knows how long. Yeah. It seems like yeah. my life was really boring before the podcast, and then somehow once the podcast started, I had to like move to different countries and shit. Like that never happened before. And like <laughs> we go, yeah, podcast will be easy. I just sit in my room all, all day anyway. And then by chance, I guess. Yep, the podcast ran you out of the country. Come yeah, on. twice. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. It broke your toe. Such a pain once, in too. the ass. Yeah, remember? <laughs> oh, that was so stupid. Got him. Done. So seven years. Uh, if uh, you've been here for some or all of those, thank you so much. It's been awesome. That yeah. It, I'm just so, was so taken aback when Markinson mentioned that. So I'm curious if people wow. think the podcast is better now than it was three or four oh, years now, ago. Yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah. No, that's a stupid yeah, way to not. think for us. All right. It's different. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. It is what it is, Kelly Wand. That's, uh, what, that's my favorite non-statement. It is what it is. Do you prefer that or this is this? No, this is this is good writing. That's Michael Cimino right. doing good writing in Deer Hunter. It is what it is is what someone says when they have nothing to say. Oh, I say it all the time. <laughs> well, there you go. I rest my case. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just mean to poor Kelly Wan. Oh, I, I take that back, Kelly Wan. Well, I am what so, I am. Yeah, but that, now that – so you probably Popeye. think that's Popeye. That's biblical. That's biblical. That's biblical, yeah. That is – yeah, that is God, Kelly Wand. Like Mo- Moses came out of Mexico. Yahweh. Ugh. Yahweh. Yahweh, well, Charles. We, we don't have to watch Desierto anymore. So uh, on to a Ben Affleck movie. Yeah. Okay. Right? Let's get uh, back right, to so white people I and mean, their problems. thank you so much for being with us for however many of the seven years you've been with us. Uh, Sorry. We are looking forward to seven more. Oh, so God. I'll give another speech like this in, in, in our 14th year. You can look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, we'll have we'll to wait for Chris to tell us when that happens. Right, right, right. Chris Markinson, please uh, make a note on your calendar to remind us when that happens because we lose track of time. Uh, uh, so we will see folks next week for The Accountant. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Martinez-Liski. It's... Uh, I'm glad you put three names in there because everybody in this movie had three names. Your so this is uh, Patrick Christian Morosky. <laughs> you got your first name in there. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, and, and we had also uh, Kelly Wan. If Colin Firth was coronated and Darth Vader married him, his name would be Darth Firth the First. There must be some kind of way out of here Said the Joker to the thief it's too much confusion now I can't get no relief Hello guys uh. I swore an oath To keep it secret This lie Has kept apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years We were afraid if the queen's heart was destroyed You'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! <laughs> Pretty interesting. Fucking...
Fucking gringo, don't you ever get tired? Oh, I got that so much I'll clear to the London. 